If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday. This is officially the last day of summer, September 22nd. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Or 2020. Is fall. I can never remember if it's the 21st or the 22nd. Well, it technically changes every year. Nah. I'm Pat Contry. That's Ian Ferguson. It's me. Uh, on the show today, we'll be talking about, we're talking about um, Microsoft doing a little business deal. Slightly small business deal. The Nintendo 3DS has been discontinued. A hysterical uh, cheat creator troll for CSGO. Um, Follow-up on the WADA auction from last week. And some more fun. Uh, first off, so we get their announcements out of the way. You know, you can get the pins. Come on, folks. You know this. You can get the RBI baseball stickers, like a toilet paper roll at Costco. The books at ultimatenintendo.com. You also can you can also join us on YouTube. There's a join button next to subscribe. You get some little perks. You get the Pat Pixel Pat uh badge. You get What some... about that not for resale Blu-ray? Oh, okay, forgot about it. not for resale. I'm not Ian. letting you forget the damn thing. It's it's a Blu-ray, but it's also now available. That it's, is for sale. It is for sale. It's not for resale, but it is for sale on iTunes, also on the Microsoft Store. Um, Google Play Store. So you get your Xbox uh, Xbox Series uh, S or X. You're going to be able to find it on the Microsoft Store. I think I left one out, but we're trying to, we're trying to get it on the Sony Store as well. We'll see how that goes. So you PS5 folks won't be left out in the in the lurch. You won't be in the lurch. Whoa, there baby! As well. Um, and then Console Wars by my pal Blake is premiering on CBS All Access tomorrow, the 23rd. We'll have a review of it next week. It's review embargoed until literally midnight tonight, so we cannot have it on this podcast. But I'm sure it's going to be fun. Um, And also, uh, I'm finally... I thought of this for for years. I'm finally going to start using my personal Twitter account, which is twitter.com slash patcontry. What a surprise. So you'll get... I'll keep the NES Punk one more. You know, the podcast, business-y stuff. The cold capitalistic uh, Twitter accounts with some. I'll still retweet Bodega Cats. That deserves it. That crosses all boundaries of socioeconomics. But I'll I'll, I'll do more personal stuff on twittercom country So follow me on there. Ian just has a personal account which and doesn't do business at all. So so he doesn't need a second one. I do plenty of business through my personal account. Oh, you, you probably should have. You do the business. Probably should have separated them at some point. But now it's too late. It's too late, baby. And it's too late. No going back. And I'm super groggy today. I'm very tired as well. But I'm like, no, not tired. I'm, I'm actually, I'm groggy. I'm like, I feel like I'm a quarter second behind reality. I feel like I'm semi-drunk. Um, 
And I don't know why. I have a theory. I didn't take a CBD last night. I didn't. I have been using them as much lately. I've been falling asleep more easily. I'm not sure why. If it's less overall anxiety or something shifted with the seasons. I don't know. You ever play Monkey Island? No. There's a very funny part in there where they go over the recipe for grog. Okay, is that like a mead? Yeah, it's like a it's a it's an alcohol punch. Okay, so so my, this is my theory, Ian. So I'm on DoorDash last night because usually I, I do DoorDash once a week, but I, I buy enough food for once a week, so I go go to Sprouts once a week. But I'm running low, so I had to order food. So I go on DoorDash and I see uh, up until nine uh, nine twenty one, which was yesterday, Dunkin' Donuts order at least ten dollars. You get free free delivery and a free box, twenty five count of munchkins. And I don't want to lose money, so you know what? I order a couple breakfast sandwiches, uh, actually three, at, at, at Dunkin' Donuts, and I love the Dunkin' Donuts breakfast sandwich. It's 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 like the comfort food. Well, there's no traveling this year, but you don't understand when you get off the plane and you're hungry and you see the warm Dunkin' Donuts right there sitting waiting for you in the airport. Specifically, uh, the egg and cheese is. Just egg and cheese. Uh, that is that is my jam. Uh, I don't know what it is about that sandwich. On uh, a croissant or bagel? How do you do it? Uh, the croissant, I think. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, let's just throw tons of butter in your system. But it's, yeah. It's delicious. Um, it's fucking delicious. Our friend Antoinette turned me on to that the one year because she always takes good care of us when we're at conventions. She brought us breakfast the one day, and I hadn't eaten, like, I... I, I I, I had it, and it was just... I, ever since I had it there, it's like my favorite breakfast sandwich. Dunkin' just does I don't it. Know. They do it yeah, fine. They, they do it right. They mass-produce them, but they're good. It doesn't taste like mass-produced, somehow, like an Egg McMuffin does. Egg McMuffin is like... It's like plastic eggs. It still tastes like a real fried egg with Dunkin' Donuts. And they do the two for four. My mouth's starting to water. So my thing would always be, all right, I'm fucking exhausted, especially if I, if I go from, like, San Diego to, um, to like... Um, Syracuse, forget it. That's like an overnight flight. I've been traveling for literally nine or ten hours. I'm I'm out of it. But you know what? It's five a.m. I'm gonna buy a couple of Dunkin' Donuts, two for four, and and eat it on the way there if they allow me in the Uber. If not, I'll I'll get to the hotel room and chow down and then fucking power nap uh, before I go set up. So anyway, so I ordered the sandwiches and got my free twenty five donuts, and then I I had two of the breakfast sandwiches. I had a, I had a, no, I didn't eat the bigger one. I saved that one. I had a had a um, a fake fake sausage one, the, the, the whatever they call it now. Beyond. It was a Beyond sausage patty, which it, 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 it's passable. There's some weird aftertaste, but it's passable. So then I'm thinking that may, is why I'm groggy. And then I had five Munchkins. I have not had Munchkins in forever. They're delicious. I had like one of each flavor, and so I, that's why I feel like my body's like saying, "Pat, that we're not used to this. It's good food, but I'm suffering because of that." I think I think I think I'm hungover. I'm food hungover slightly. I think that's what it is. I, that can happen. That's happened. You have a nice fat Italian sausage sandwich. That sounds good. Fat Italian sausage. You have a nice fat Italian, Italian sausage a sandwich, like really a real one. And then next day, I usually feel like garbage when I wake up. Mm. It's only for like, it's only for certain foods. Not like fries and burgers. I usually don't get like that. It's for like certain certain fats. The next day, I'm like, whoa, my body cannot process it that well. You got a bad case of the meats. I don't know if it's... The, but it was a breakfast sandwich. I mean, there's a couple pieces of bacon. I mean, you can get the meats without... The meat sweats? Without meat. Maybe it's the Beyond. I'm not used to the Beyond meat. Got the Beyond sweats. The Beyond sweats? I'm kind of sweaty right now. 
Uh, anyway, so I'm groggy. Oh, he's a little dewy. But I can burn that off, Ian, with Jump Rope Challenge, which is unfortunately leaving the <laughs> Nintendo eShop. <laughs> That's just oh. a strange segue. Uh, jump Rope Challenge, yes, leaving the eShop. Why do they do this? Why does Nintendo do this? Nintendo, I like you, but they're... Why pull, why pull this off the eShop? So, uh, the Jump Rope Challenge, we talked about it uh, when they put it out. It was a little... Uh, like in March? Yeah, March or April. Early April. Um, near the beginning of the COVID thing, uh, you know, 10 decades ago, um, they put out a little simple exercise game that was made by some of the developers in their spare time while they were at home. Basically, you take one Joy-Con in each hand and you use it like the handles of a jump rope and you can jump up and down. And, uh, you know, if if it's been a while since anyone's uh, jumped up, jumped up and got down, um, hate it. Um, uh, that'll that'll get that'll get your blood going. That'll get it'll get you a little sweaty if you actually are jumping. If you're just, just constantly jumping. Yeah, I yeah, mean, jump rope's uh, very ooh, vigorous. Yeah, it gets you uh, very vigorous. Reason gets gets the lungs searing with that good burning air. Um, so, anyways, until September 30th, it's up. Uh, they are taking it down for who knows what reason. Nintendo can't just let the thing be. But they're warning us. Nintendo's warning us, at least. It's I don't, their, I don't, I don't give a site. shit if they're warning us. They but, can just they can leave the fucking five megabyte file oh, online or whatever it is. How people are using it, Ian, at this point? I mean... I mean why take it off? Why? I know. But... Why? Why? There's no There's no good reason, and I'm getting angrier the more... I'm, now you're I'm angry. angry. You're angry that a free I'm angry that Nintendo gave you for free but, is going to be taken off. But why? Why are we... All right, anyways, it's cute. It's so. even funny. They just say, this game was created by a small group of Nintendo developers while working from home in Japan. It's a simple game to add some quick and fun movements into their daily lives. This is such an un-Nintendo thing. That's why I love it. I loved it when they came out. This is not something Nintendo would have done. And they did it. It's like a one-off little weird weird thing they slapped together. Like, everything Nintendo does is usually, like, calculated to minutia years in advance. This is like, hey, hey, boss, we just we mocked this together in a week. Put it up. Okay. And they, and they, and they went with it. It, it, that's why I love this idea, and I think I download. If not, you got you got a week to get it. You got a week to get it. God, I can't believe September is already over. We're in fall, Ian. Fall, fall has fallen. Autumn has fallen. Is that is that an expression? No. Anyway, uh, also here on this intro docket, we got the uh, General Mills Ultimate don't Taste pull the, Comeback. Don't pull the curtain back. Pull the curtain intro. back. Pull people, it back. People are loving our long intros Just on YouTube. Ripping it wide open. Uh, this is dumb. I don't. I don't really <laughs> get this. This is real dumb. So Mac, Mac McMuscles brought this to my attention. Lots of lots of companies love to do uh, the the retro thing. Love to do the retro thing. Uh, we talked about it on here before. Kool Aid brought back some flavors uh, this summer. Okay, they did we the. About uh, that? I'm pretty sure I talked about Kool Aid on here. If not, uh, they brought back like the Purple Source Rex and the Rockadile Red. Uh, so bringing back the old stuff is 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 crazy. It's big. Bring, bring back shit for the parents to infuse into their children's veins. So uh, General Mills is doing some sort of retro thing uh, with tricks, cocoa puffs, golden grams, and a cookie crisp. Um, cookie crisp. But it's dumb. So yeah, the tricks thing, as this article from a cereal cereal serialistly dot net. That's fuck. a great name. God, that's hard to say. Seriously. Seriously. Um, so uh, 
the the tricks retro thing is that it's going to be in fruity shapes. Okay. Um, but that's weird because it was in fruity shapes like two years ago. There's uh, in the 90s, I think. Yeah, they, I they, they've that. done this exactly f- this for the past two years. So it's not really uh, a comeback as much as it is a, a new box. Um, yeah, actual tricks used to just be puffs. If you wanted yeah. to like do a retro thing with it, you would just bring back the, the multicolored puff balls. Uh, Cocoa Puffs is going to have a more chocolatey taste. So that's one of those ones that you... You can never really, like, ascertain whether or not they've actually done anything. You're like, they yeah, ch- sure. They this- changed the formula slightly. Okay, this tastes like... Enough so legally they can say more chocolatey taste. Um, Golden Grams is bringing back honey in the recipe. Apparently they took honey out of the recipe and they're bringing it back. Like it was just pure sugar? Um, yeah, I guess so. Um, but they that was but even that, according to this article, uh, was only eight years ago. Okay, so not even a decade. So not even going to the nineties, let alone eighties for retro. Yeah, and then and then what is this? The more chocolate chip cookie. The taste? more chocolate chip cookie taste. Another one that is hard to actually determine. But they've got the wolf on the box. Yeah, the now, wolf is really old. Yeah, I don't pay attention to cereal that much these days, but. Um, I don't think Isn't that it? they've used the wolf recently. Um, that's the, the, the wizard was the seventies to eighties. Then when did they get the fuck? I remember the criminal from the late eighties with the dog. <laughs> the, the fucking criminal. The fucking yeah. criminal. This dirty criminal. <laughs> like, now, now I'm going to the Cookie Crisp Wikipedia. Okay, so so yeah, Cookie Jarvis, which was the t- too young, too old for me. Even I don't remember the wizard at all. I remember Cookie Crook and the Cookie Cop. Yeah, I definitely. Remember I remember them. that. That was my childhood. Um, and then it was Chip the dog. Uh, in 1990, they got the dog to soften up the criminal, I guess. Um, and then I have no idea when when the uh, the hound was or this wolf was. When was the wolf around? Uh, I thought the wolf was an alternate uh, to the dog, an alternate to the cop and dog in other re- markets. I, but I could be wrong. Um, either way, uh, this is ridiculous and just goes to show that saying something is a throwback is generally a good way to get people to buy things even if it's not really a throwback to anything in particular is this going to work with breakfast cereal though is i hope there's no 39 year olds out there going to say you know what i'm going to go back out and buy and buy cookie crisp because we put the old wolf on it you know i don't like is this does this work for foods it does. it does. It does. It does. I guess you're right. They they they, they came out with a limited uh, uh, Crystal Pepsi. Yeah, I was gonna say, see, it works with drinks but that's, particularly. But that's, but that's entirely different products you can't get anymore. You can still get this shit right on the store shelves, can't you? Yes. So I don't get it. Yeah, that's what I looked at first. I was I like, oh, this will be neat. What cereals are they bringing back? And I'm like, I, I can have all of these right uh, now. I would just say, fuck the big grains industry for, for having us eat this shit, uh, children. And contributing to childhood uh, obesity and diabetes. Fuck all this shit. I'm so anti-cereal. Now I do my 80s Twitch commercials. You see how much uh, of these commercials were, were thrown at us at children. It was like literally two two uh, cereal commercials every commercial break just about uh, at kids. I, I love I love cereal. Um, I don't eat much of it because, yes, as I've grown older, I realize that it is probably the unhealthiest Fucking food horrible. Out there, there is nothing in cereal that is no good for nothing you. that's healthy. There's there's a few out there you want to say like oh mucilin or some of those ones that have like nuts and some natural stuff, but this is shit. This these four General Mills can eat me. I mean I I ate Honey Nut Cheerios growing up, which later you found out is is one of the worst culprits 
out of all of these cereals. You never think, oh, Hungry Night Cheerios. No, it's horrible oh, I'm for sure. you. And the other one was also bad was like Cinnamon Life, which I ate as a kid. I love Cinnamon Toast Crunch is like my my fucking jam. And that's, I mean. You have two jams this week. Uh, I have so many jams. Um, no, I get mad because I think even, like, yeah, my, my parents, you know, they bought me a lot of crappy foods and, and a lot of bad high seed and fruit punches that were awful. The combination of that and these cereals is why I was thick but quick. If I didn't eat awful stuff for breakfast, I, I don't think I'd probably be in, in as horrible shape as a kid the more I think about it. And I did, yes, I went outside and exercised, and it barely made a dent because of, of all the amount of... Because you were going inside and fucking rehydrating with Juicy Juice. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's high C. It's, it's, it's good for you. It's fruit. It's not. Oh, I'm thirsty as fuck. I'm just going to chug down this gallon of sugar water. We can legally say it's fruit juice because it's just sugar. We have like 1% fruit juice in the, in the 1% of the solution. You know, but not to not to belabor the point, but but I I think if I ever got to Congress or in political power, I would crush the big grains industry. Like that would be my thing. I'm going to crush you for doing this to us, because I don't think 50 years ago, 60 years ago, cereal was as big as a thing. It was oh, have your eggs and eggs and and, and bacon, or have your have your muffin. No, 70s and 80s, I think, is when cereal really. Really got cereal wasn't a thing until a hundred years ago. Hundred twenty, like they started to push grains as a thing you should eat for breakfast more, and and that was a whole push from an industry to sell oats and grains. And it's vile. Nothing, nothing like every food you find out. Every food industry is vile and vicious. Like the whole corn syrup. Well, I was going to say most of these cereals made with corn, which is another fucking industry that corn. We Fuck, only, corn is fucking awful. We only eat it because we can grow it. That's the corn, only reason. Fucking, you can you can chew on grass and it has more nutritional value than having a fucking can of corn. But they push corn on you as being like, oh, it's a vegetable kind of, and well, now we'll just make corn syrup, which is horrific for you. So we're, this, is, this is becoming this is becoming this your is, podcast. Yeah, I was gonna say we're we're we're, we're, we're corn, delving into extra napkins. Territory corn, here. Yeah, corn syrup tricks your body. And you don't process it like sugar, so it's it's like ten times worse than, than regular sugar. It's fucking horrifying. There's a reason why when Pat used to go out to the TGI Fridays and have seven refills of, of Coke because it's corn syrup, and your body doesn't know what you're drinking, so you can just have more of it. Sorry, Ian. That's fine. So fuck the ultimate taste comeback from General Mills, right? It's awful. Well, uh, we got more podcasts to do. Or is that it for this podcast? That's it. We're done. All right. The John Madden Game Boy Color game is, is, is I think out it was there just now. Game Boy. Is it, is it just Game Boy? Yeah, that's why I deleted the color. Because um, the pictures are black is it, is and this white. Your, is this your jam? This is... Uh, no, probably not my jam. Uh, but, so, it's a, but it's an unreleased Game Boy. It game. is. It is. Just Madden is not... I mean... I want to Here, check it out your, because I've heard... game. I've heard it's... it's, it's uh, it's uh, difficult to play this. So, anyways, uh, yes, there was a. Um, so there was a uh, in in that in, in the Nintendo dump that we keep talking Giga about Leak. the Giga Leak. There was uh, Madden for the Game Boy that never came out, and it was going to be published by Ubisoft, which is strange because Madden is known for being an EA property. Ubi. So this was early on. This was um, Madden was first um, released in 1988. Uh, for computers, Apple IIe, other other um, video game years topic. Excuse me, and other systems, uh, home computer systems. And uh, in 1990, I think was when it got its co- console debut. Um, 
uh, or it, it became a yearly. I think ninety one was when it became yeah, a yearly. Yeah, it was a yearly for a few. So eighty eight, then ninety, it came out again. I think it was just re released as John Madden Football, and then I think ninety one was the first yeah. of the the where they started putting the, yeah, the Genesis years after. right in like ninety one or ninety one. Then ninety two was on the Super. Then from there, it's on yeah. every fucking console in existence. Yeah. Um. So, uh, the. Game Boy game, which was developed by NMS Software. Um, it was said that the 8-bit ports of Madden would be available by Christmas of uh, that year in 1993, but it was never released. Game Informer magazine from back then, uh, this is according to the Polygon article, previewed the title in 1993, um, but with a non-interactive demo. So playable prototypes were not around. They didn't know if they actually existed until they were discovered just now. Um, graphically, it looks actually kind of nice uh I, I like the way it looks it's got the side view um kind of similar to tech mobile it's got these cute little chunky players i actually like the look of it a lot um but oh the cutscene is funny of the crowd there's a guy in a yeah. shirtless guy in a leather vest <laughs> um but according to the article it is just a bit baffling and hard to play perhaps the reason why the game was never released interesting so um yeah cool to see uh we talked about more of this last week, last episode. Um, lots of neat things discovered uh, for the Game Boy. Lots of um, basically complete um, Game Boy games that were unreleased or translations that did not come out in the U.S. were discovered it's because fantastic. of that Giga Leak. This is the golden age of game preservation. It's, it's exciting times. That's like a yeah, couple of years. This is great. Game Boy stuff is like Christmas to me. So, um, yeah, was, that was cool. All right. Um, so, Arcade 1-Up is doing a pre-order... Uh, of their Golden Axe cab that we mentioned back in... The, remember remember January? What a different w- world it was back in January? Mm-hmm. Uh, at your CES, the Golden Axe cabinet, which is going to be shipping by mid-October. It's a U.S. online exclusive. It's going to have Golden Axe, Golden Axe, Revenge of Death Adder, which is a big deal to get that going. Shinobi, Alter Beast, and my f- favorite game from Casino Pier, Wrestle War. They actually had a Wrestle War cabinet, Casino Pier, in, in Seaside. Really? I don't. Th- I, I I think I've never seen a Wrestle War cabinet more than maybe twice or three times in my life. I can't imagine that being a big game back in like the mid '80s for an arcade. Even though they ripped off real wrestlers in that game, it's a fantastic game. Wrestle War. I'm not sure that I know that one. That's the big ass wrestlers. They're big. It's the overhead view. You never played Wrestle War? Uh, I mean, I'm aware of the game. I don't think I've ever played. Yeah, I- a console release anywhere. Yeah, I don't think it did. I mean, it wasn't on the Genesis. I would own it. I don't think. Um, yeah, it's just a fun game. One guy looks like Hogan. Uh, well, there's like guys that look like. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember this. Yeah, the big chunky. Oh chunky, yeah, chunky boys. What was that System 16 game or 32? I forget. Um, oh, it was 89 in the arcade. I thought it was later. Oh, I was on the Mega Drive. Didn't it, didn't it come out here? Why didn't it come out here? Oh, it's a Kaneko Man game. Oh, probably. Yeah, it's probably going to come out here because, yes. Uh, so they're all based on real wrestlers. Uh, Bruiser Brody. There's a, uh, Mr. J, who was based on Jason Voorhees. Uh, Road Warrior Hawk. Uh, there's a Hulk Hogan lookalike, I remember. A Stan Hansen guy and Abdullah the Butcher. So that's why, did, that's why it didn't come out here. <laughs> but now I want it. Oh, it looked like one of the characters looked like Kaneko Man. But yeah, no, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, there's definitely. Oh, yeah, I'm seeing the Stan Hansen character. Oh, yeah. So that's why it didn't come out here. Sure. They didn't bother to... Re- it's like a fire pro thing. It's like, ah, uh, we can't get away with it. Yeah. We can't just change the name. We, we're, we'll get our asses sued by Hogan. What you gonna do when Hulk Hogan sues you? But there is a Mega Drive version. I said that. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's like it's got a great cover. Oh, the guy's ripped. He's st- steroid Johnson on that cover there. 
So anyway, yeah, if you want to pre-order this, go get it. I think it's uh, it's one of the nicer looking guys out there uh, that uh, that they've done uh, or are doing, and it's four players on there. Um, real quick, uh, big update uh, for the Intellivision Miko, Intellivision announcer manufacturing partner, who's actually going to be uh, making uh, their console and uh, and controllers, which was going to come out. Uh, Th- th- two weeks three, from now. three weeks from now was going to come out so it's always uh, it's always uh, good to know that uh, your console that was supposed to come out in October you announced the partner less than a month before for that of course you know if it uh, you know I would I, if I was running a company I would announce my partner I don't know a year out or eight months out at least you know if I was actually planning on having it come out on a certain date that's what I would do but I don't run these companies I'm just a dumb person on YouTube so of course you know I got to go by people that know better there. But uh, but speaking of that though, it's actually also uh, we're getting to that nice six month pre order mark of time where if you wanted to uh, you know dispute it with your credit card, most uh, most credit cards have that hundred and eighty day window. Uh, if someone doesn't want to give your money back, I'm just saying that. I'm just running out there because we're now hitting that weird mark where you know uh, if you want to get your money back and, and the company doesn't want to do it, you're still within that window or it's it's coming to a close right now. That's all. That's all. So we'll see where this ends up next year. Uh, so, all right. Uh, moving on. Konami's got a good thing going on here. K- K- uh, hey, we're don't going- say that very often. Hey, we're going from you know be- people that know what they're doing. Now Konami knows what they're doing, right? Um, weird, weird to say that Konami is doing something that I agree with. Uh, Konami is releasing Pro uh, so- Pro Evolution Soccer. Um, P.S. Pro Evolution Soccer 21 is coming out this year. Um, and I think, that, I mean, honestly, it's funny. I'm saying Konami knows what they're doing, but Konami hasn't really done anything with Pro Evolution Soccer in the past year uh, because Konami doesn't really do anything with video games anymore. <laughs> they, they rarely do. They hold IPs. But unlike EA, uh, who does release, like, they, they have released versions of FIFA that literally they charge 60 bucks for it, and right on the front for the Switch, it says, game is the same as last year, only updated kits and, you know, rosters. They literally say that? They, they literally <laughs> say that um, on, on the cover of the game so that people don't spend 60 bucks and go, why did I buy the exact same game as last year? Mm-hmm. Konami is only charging 30 bucks this year for Pro Evolution Soccer uh, 21. Um, that's a start. I mean, lots of people who talk about sports games, sports video games, always wonder: do we need, do we need to be paying sixty bucks every year for what is uh, diminishing returns on a lot of these titles? Sure, um, or very minor updates that don't really matter. right. You know, they take something. You know, the the EA model is. Uh, and, and to be fair, the 2K model at this point, too, is take out a couple things, put in a couple new gimmicky things next year. We'll take out most of those gimmicky, gimmicky things or some of them. We'll put in a couple new things. We'll update the rosters. But you're not getting earth-shattering overhauls year to year on these games. Well, unless it's WWE 2K20, and we saw that turned out. Well, yes, which which they're going to, yeah. Um <laughs> Which is why you're not getting one this year, I don't think. No, you got but, Battlegrounds instead. Which, which I guess would have came... Yeah, it, would, it usually comes out by early October. October, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, not a whole lot more to say, but Konami is is, is, is doing what we've all always talked about or, or said. If you're not going to give us a full update, uh, don't charge us full price. Also tonight, an update. <laughs> Wrong one. <laughs> I was trying to do the short one. <laughs> 
Well, I can hit the button and stop it, Pat. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. If, well, that's interesting because I my, my business model would have always been, we if you don't want to buy the new one, we'll still DLC you the, the, the roster update or, or whatever, minor updates in, in the past year's one as well. So they're not often at all. It's just always going to be 30 bucks for the new game. We're not going to do a, a, a roster patch. Uh, no, and they never do. I mean, I, I I don't expect that necessarily. I mean, if they're working on it, you, I, they're going to want point, some right? some some sort of money in return. And then you put out the physical version of the new one too. Yeah, it makes sense. So the last one. Um, yeah, I I wonder. Now I'm thinking about W2K20. Uh, are they doing free roster updates this year in lieu of the new game? Or no, I don't think they're doing anything. They're not doing because the, the roster has changed significantly the past six months. Those rosters are always out of date before they even land. I mean, but they usually do free uh, free people, don't they? Here? No, they don't. They're not free. Okay, they're absolutely well. not free. You but, pay pay a hundred bucks well. for your ultimate deluxe shiny edition of WWE 2K blah blah blah, and they. They, you know, they released characters throughout. Well, the I year. mean, like the big guy, literally, figuratively, is Keith Lee now in WWE. I, I don't, I haven't watched WWE in forever, so like, I would figure like that would be someone. If he, I'm sure he was in the game before, but like, they'd have to like tweak the character a bit, you know, because that guy's like one of the top wrestlers in the company. You know, never even heard of him. Wow, you're t- wow, you're out, you're out of it. You're, you're out. You said I'm out. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I I'm tapped out of wrestling. Have as well. very, very seriously just been out of it. I'm tapped out of wrestling as well. I'm, I'm, I'm like tapped out of entertainment. Everything's like the like the the the, the fourth wall has been destroyed this year, for, in, in a lot of ways for entertainment out there. Speaking of entertainment, uh, brain fart. Mario's gonna slap you. Yeah, he's gonna find his keys and hit you with them. Yeah, his fist. knock me out. Like 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 one of those uh, self defense tapes from the nineties. Yeah, and eighties. Uh, so Spider Man Remastered will not be receiving a physical release on PS Five. <gasps> However, Miles Morales Spider Man is receiving a physical release on PS Five, oh. and that game is going to be bundled with it. So technically, you can buy a physical thing that will give you a copy of it, but that is not how it is branded. I'm sure it's probably a download when you buy the Miles Morales. They want to sell you the new one, even though they probably could resell you the old one. Right. Well, they said that they they say that they're doing a lot of things to the remastered version um, for the PS5 to take advantage of the system. Uh, you know how much they take advantage of remains to be seen. Um, but uh, your saves from the PS4 version will not transfer over. Oh, no. So it stands to reason that it's going to be different enough, or at least it's different enough that the saves uh, could not have transferred um i don't think that they would let they would they want to make the money they don't there's nothing for them to gain by by preventing your save from transferring over so i don't think that this is one of those instances like the um that control game we talked about last week where they're lying out of their ass uh the control oh the 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 the, the, yes yeah so i don't i don't necessarily think that insomniac's lying here uh about the liars but yeah you're a liar you'll have to play through it again um as much as everyone seemed to enjoy that game i don't think that'll be a problem for a lot of people uh and i think that you know the spider-man game value could probably be a pretty decent showcase for what the ps5 can do two games for 60 bucks yeah there you go pretty good there you go. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. So, all right. We had the Sony PS5 price reveal and pre-order mess that happened. What was that? Thursday or Friday last week? It was one of those days. It was, it was a pre-podcast. All the good news is happening like the day after the podcast on Wednesday. It's been happening like all the time recently. 
Um, so, so what happened, Ian? So the PlayStation Five, uh, they they announced um, they they did one of their events, and at the end of it, I honestly don't even really remember what was on. Oh, the event showcased um, some of the upcoming games. Uh, Final Fantasy Sixteen was one. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn two. Miles Morales Spider Man. Uh, the Demon Souls Spider uh, remake was shown, um, which actually looks very good. Uh, I'm I'm kind of excited to check that out at some point. Um, and then at the end, they announced the pricing for the system. So the system has uh, two models. Uh, the digital-only model with no disk drive is going to be three ninety-nine, and the uh, standard model with drive is going to be four ninety-nine. So on their upper-level system, uh, they are meeting the Xbox price point. They're not exceeding it, which I think some people thought they might. Um, and then their uh, Discless version is a hundred more than the two ninety nine Xbox uh, S. Series S. But it's, but it's the same specs as their disc. But the PlayStation yeah. Four exactly. Uh, it, it matches. It's, it. it's the same specs. It's not a. It's not, not a, a, downgrade. a, a downgraded system. Yeah. So uh, the pricing makes sense to me. Um, it's it kind of what I figured. I, it, it, it seems to be in line. Uh, it's nice to see that these companies didn't get quite as pricey as we thought, because I think for a while there, a lot of people were thinking that we might be looking at another $600 system, and that would be bad for absolutely everyone. Um, but they're not, so that's good. Uh However, they fucked up their pre-orders. They said in previous events, they said, you know, I can't remember the guy's name, but he actually came out and said... Phil Spencer? I don't think it was Phil Spencer. I mean, it might have been. Mr. Xbox. Mr. Sony. No, no, I'm talking... Yeah, Mr. Ah, Sony. uh, Said that, don't worry, we're going to give you plenty of heads up before pre-orders happen. Pre-orders aren't going to be a shit show. We're going to let you know. We're going to give you... We're going to give you some time. And they absolutely did not give anyone time. They just dropped it. They just dropped it. And uh, I remember seeing the first thing was that pre-orders were going to be live the following day. I think that was what people were assuming. And then very quickly, everyone realized that, no, you could pre-order from a number of places right then. Like, immediately. Immediately. It was already up on, like, Walmart and everywhere else. So it became a shit show. Um, The PS5 is going to be a very popular system. Lots of people want it. Uh, I was watching lots of people scramble to get it online. Uh, I'm not in a hurry. I will get it probably. I I, I will end up with a PlayStation 5. Uh, But it will probably not be until next year at some point. The backwards compatibility with PS4 games and the fact that I have a ton of PS4 games, mostly digital, means that it's very easy for them to keep me in their ecosystem. But I'm not in a rush. Um, of, Of the announced games... Um, Horizon Zero Dawn 2, uh, if I even finish the first one, and I like the first one, I can play that on the PS4. Um, that's going to be a uh, dual system release. That's another thing that kind of pissed people off, but I don't think it's... The dual system release? I don't think it's that, that bag of a deal. Ba- ba- bad of a thing. I mean, people who don't get to... People who can't buy the PS5 will still get to play some of the bigger games this this holiday season. It just I mean, won't be a PS5 version. It just won't be a PS5 version. But yeah, um, Miles Morales was... Oh, and this is the thing. There are people... Sony's done a good job of hiding it. Even all the way back when they announced Miles Morales, it was already known that it was going to be a PS4 game, but mo- you don't see a lot of people talking they about that. They try to just... In fact, I've told a lot of people on Twitter who I figured would actually be more in the know about modern games than I would. Um, they were like, well, the only reason I want this PS5 is for the Miles Morales 
game. I'm like, you don't need it. You don't need the PS5 to play that. Yeah, you don't need to spend five hundred to get one game. Yeah. The so the Miles Morales uh, Spider Man game and the um, Horizon Zero Dawn Two are the two games that I know both know of off the top of my head that are going to be released between systems. And I think there's even one more, but I'm not sure what it is. Well, we can expect the cross thing for like what a good year, probably. You think? Um, I don't. I don't think they're going to lean on it as heavily as they did in the transition from, say, PS2 to, like, PS3 in 360, okay. or even maybe as much as the transition from PS3 to um, PS4. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think we're going to see some dual releases for a while here. It's just, it's, 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 it's what happens. Especially since they can't produce enough of these probably. Anyway, they, 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 they cut back their estimated amount by $4 million or something that they could probably produce. That's so, yeah, so anyways, these pre-orders go up they sell out. Then people find out that some of their pre-orders apparently are... May, may, I think Amazon said, hey, we may not be able to get all of these sure. pre-orders to everyone in time for the holidays. Then Sony comes out and said... Uh, Sony came out on September 19th and acknowledged the problem. Um, in a tweet, the company apologized for the pre-order system foos and said it will release more PS5 consoles for pre-order. Furthermore, the company pledged more PS5s will be available through the end of the year. So Sony knows they've got a winner on their hands, at least right now, or that it's going to be popular. They're going to try to get... I mean, like all, like all of these companies, they want to sell these things. They're going to try to get as many out there as they can. Um, but they dropped the ball. They did yeah, this with, with the retailers. Yeah. I, you, you heard that GameStop wasn't aware. Some of the, like the stores themselves weren't aware that this was happening. So, I, I, there's, there, yeah, I, I heard that stores weren't aware. They dropped the ball with retailers. Um, one rumor, and it's just rumor that I heard, was that I think it was Walmart. Uh, and Walmart has... Has has done this in the past before, um, screwed things up with pre-orders. Uh, I think Walmart was just like, okay, they announced it, let's flip that switch on, and I think that what I had heard was that had sent everyone else scrambling. So Best Buy's like, we got to do well, it. Well, we got to do it, and then GameStop's like, what the fuck? What's going on? Okay, well, we got to do this, and I, well, I, I think that's kind of what happened. I, I, I think. Well, that's what you're going to sell out anyway. It's not like if you wait a day or two, you're not going to sell your product. I mean, they've sure. all sold out everywhere, right? I mean, where can I get this from now? <laughs> Can I get it direct from Sony, or I can't anymore? I don't. I don't think so. That's the other weird thing. They had you sign up for this fucking on this mailing list. Uh, that Sony was like, you know, sign up. Registration's here to be, closed. Yeah, to be the first person to know that you can get a PS. And, and it didn't. It didn't matter. So Sony. Sony dropped the ball. You know, there's tons of interest. They dropped the ball at this. I, I'm trying to think of a of a world where where you would do your announcement video then oh by the way we have pre-orders happening right now and force people to not everyone is always online or in the know to, that wants these products that can just go order it like like there's no because you can doesn't mean like you know Johnny Sixpack working on a construction site or whatever is able to but oh like no he has no idea this stuff is happening so, so those technologically minded keep in mind not a lot of people are on social media constantly or at all to know about this stuff, so this is a this is a bad move. You can piss off a consumer base, absolutely can. Um, mm. Wait a week or two, or build it up. There's like I said, there's no rush. But as we get to the next topic, maybe there was a rush, as as, as we'll, we'll, we'll we'll find out. Um, so yeah, I. It's yeah, it's annoying. Um, there's there's no reason this needed to be a uh, analog. Um, pre-order situation um this 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 is not a the playstation 5 is not a a niche item uh it it didn't need to be um as chaotic as it was yeah but 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 
Well, how many people have the PS4 right now? How many How many PS4s have sold? A uh, shitload. I'm trying to think what percentage of that user base would want to get the PS5 right away. Um, and if we know they're going to probably produce around several million of these for the holiday season, or try to, I, I'm guessing they're going to sell out most of those. They're going to hold back ones for retail, obviously, for the holidays, because the retailers would be pissed if they didn't. So, you know, I, I, I just, yeah, but they dropped the ball. They absolutely dropped the ball here uh, with that. But people are excited. I think a lot of people saw the $400 price point and say, wow, for, for $400, that beats the $500 Microsoft Series X price, and it's it's the same powerful system. Who the hell needs that $300 weaker Series Yes, A lot of people said that. Um, and, and that's a valid point, except there'll be nothing to stop Microsoft from saying next year, we, we can do a $400 discless version probably as well. And, and matched out. I don't think Microsoft. Uh, I don't think Microsoft wanted to confuse the confuse with three different systems. I don't think they, they want to confuse the marketplace. So we'll have two that are two hundred dollars apart. That these are two distinctly different systems. I think that's what their strategy, what, what they wanted to do, and I, I think it might work. Um, and we'll get we'll talk about why it might or might not um, soon, very soon. But uh, yeah. So, so you, so you didn't pre-order this. You'll get one next year when they're readily available. Yeah, it was it was nice to be on the other side of a pre-order thing and not care. I'm I'm like this year. I've not. I don't think I'd pre-order anything successfully this year, or gotten anything like with the analog, uh, you know, handheld. I I I wanted that, but I didn't think I wouldn't be able to get it. Uh, but everything else, I'm like, you know what? I'm not in this rat race anymore to pre-order crap. Even if I want it, I'm not. I'm done. The I analog thing, out. the the analog pocket was probably the first one in a long time I actually like wanted, and you know, wasn't sure that I was going to get. Usually, I, I honestly, and it started. It's it's a part of me that I'm so glad has been burning off uh, these past few years. The desire for collectible or limited things, I just don't give a fucking shit at all anymore. Oh, I'm out. I don't care about exclusives at uh, Comic Con. Um, I'm, I don't worry about record store day anymore. Uh, if I can't get my record in the limited edition color that I want, fine. I will take it on the black wax instead. I just, Sounds I, sexy. I, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't have the patience for that stuff. I don't, I don't need the stress to gain an object. I just, I can't do yeah, it anymore. I think, I think probably the Comic-Con exposure sledgehammered it into my brain about wow this is ridiculous comic-con is it was very much the um, the uh the 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 thing that taught me to get over limited seeing shit. seeing the lines at the hasbro direct like these people are going to spend hours here at their comic-con they're traveling across the country to get this fucking toy that they can hopefully a lot of them flip on ebay or just to get for their collection it's like i just don't see that just wait for it later but spend that premium don't waste your time like if you have the money to fly out to Comic Con and spend money at hotels, like just don't waste your time. That's why I come back to that. Just don't waste your time with that. Your time is valuable. What, what sunk it to me is when I got the freaking. They're nice. When I got the Ninja Turtles uh, arcade set of figures, sure, they're still in the fucking package. Yeah, it's cool, but they're still in the, those were like four, four or five years ago. That's like the, fir- the first run of like them doing stuff like and I, that. And I'm, and I'm uh, sure that for most people who bought them, they're still in the package sitting somewhere. And that's fine. But I got that, and I got the Transformers uh, G.I. Joe uh, crossover, I believe, and I sold that. I was like, what am I doing with this? It's, and I, I don't remember what comic this was from, but I always think about it. It's like, it's like the dog chasing the car. What happens when you the fun, it? Right. The fun, the fun is chasing it. When, when you catch it, what, what, what the fuck are you going to do with it? You're just out, out of more money in space. 
Right, exactly. Uh, you put it on a shelf and you go, okay, well, I got that. And then I when you look at it, what do you think about? Well, you think about all the fucking hassle you went through to to get it. It's a reminder of your hassle of waiting and... I, I just they look at the game collection. Yeah, it's, it's 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 somewhat of a reminder of the hassle and all the fun of, of chasing it. But that's but that stuff's not limited. That's not like you have to get online this morning to get it or you're gonna miss out forever. There's not FOMO in game collecting as much as this. Oh yeah, there's yeah game co- collecting and, and and going after limited stuff. They're they're different things. They're not always the, the same. Yeah, for example, powered by all your games. Like yeah, but, but this plus this stuff this stuff won't be in a dumpster in five years hopefully as well. Yeah, waiting in line for Mondo shit. Uh, the getting stuff from the Funko Pop for people. I it's it it it's good to have sucks. this year rest of Comic Con. I think. Because last year, not that I, I didn't have a bad experience at Comic Con last year, but I could have skipped Comic Con last year. Besides hanging out with Frank, hanging out with Frank was fun. Oh, last year was oh. probably my favorite Comic Con in many years. But but I, I it I, wasn't new anymore. It's the same shit. But same. That's that's why I like it because it's comfortable. I like Comic Con uh, now because it's not new because it fucking feels like slipping into a a, a, a a glove. Well, I didn't mind having a break from it. I only went two days last year. I didn't go all four days for at least a few years. All four days, I'm done with that. I only go for like two and a half hours, and I'm done. I don't spend like seven hours anymore. I'm just I was just sort of comic con out. Not like Frank. Frank's been has been been now for like three years. Uh, so hopefully we get Frank back there uh, next year if he wants. Um, anyway, so anyway, so that's so that's the Sony reveal right there. Boop, and boop, the pre-order mess. Boop, boop, We're gonna transition. Boop, We're gonna cut this. Boop, boop. If you're on watching the YouTube intro, <laughs> this is the end. But if you're listening to this, I'm on. Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, you know, you're going to go right into us talking about Microsoft, Ian. Every time you close the door, you open another. And here's the beginning of the podcast. Here it is, Ian. Microsoft acquires Bethesda. It's big sh- September 21st. Where were you Monday when Microsoft officially announced that they acquired gigantic game publisher Bethesda. So, uh, Bethesda has been around, um, been around for quite some time. They started off with sports games, then they start, then they started making the Elder Scrolls games, and they got very popular from there. Um, Bethesda acquired the Doom license from id, uh, and Fallout from... can't remember. Um, uh, so they Bethesda has grown to be a very big player in the video game market. They release many titles. Um, they, got a, they have a, a soiree of products. Uh, they're big. They're big titles, though. The Elder Scrolls games, so Skyrim, the Fallout games, currently New Vegas, um, the Wolfenstein games. The Wolfenstein games. Uh, the most recent one was Part Two, New Colossus, uh, in that kind of like reboot of the series. Um, they have the Doom reboot and Doom Eternal, uh, and then they do smaller releases as well. But those are big name games um, that generally become the topic of conversation, uh, whether it's good or bad, uh, for quite some time when they are released. Um, so Microsoft acquiring this is not small. The Microsoft, uh, you know, uh, especially in the discussions of the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation Five. Uh, Microsoft has looked a little skimpy in the games department, especially when it comes to things that are exclusive to mm-hmm. their console. They just haven't had a whole lot to show. Um, the 299 Series S, despite being less powerful, is still something that is appealing to a lot of people at that price point, and it gives them an easy entry into, uh, you know, quote-unquote next-generation gaming. But for what reason? Well, now it looks like that people might have a, a reason to do so. 
Uh, Microsoft Chief Executive Officer Satya Nadella in an interview says, with the acquisition of Bethesda, we metaphorically and literally double our gaming content capacity. Jesus. Um, I, honestly, I think it could only be one of those two, but whatever. Uh, it's going to increase. <laughs> it's going to increase. A lot. Um, yeah. It's a lot bigger deal than, than you know putting out battle toads. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they've been uh, Microsoft has spent somewhere around two point five billion. Uh, they spent two point five billion to purchase the maker of Minecraft in twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. They acquired six studios in twenty eighteen. One last year. Uh, so they have you know been trying to get a stable of reasons for people to um, buy their system. Um, there are a couple of games uh, Bethesda, so Bethesda's history with Microsoft is actually pretty good. Uh, when you go back and you look at some of their earlier, uh, some of the stuff, even you go back to the 360 generation um, Microsoft's uh, version of the Orange Box compared to the PlayStation ver- PlayStation 3 version was a much better version it was uh, way less buggy um, and when Bethesda announced that they were going to start allowing mods for their games like Skyrim and Fallout and whatnot, uh, Microsoft was far more um, uh, into the idea. Sure. Uh, Sony did not play ball with them very easily on that. I think it's... Didn't the, we talked about that, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we did talk about years that in, oh, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, I think it's the difference of a, you know, uh, yeah, a U.S company versus a Japanese company. Sure, not understanding the modding community. And- not understanding necessarily the modding community and yeah. the, the fear of having the, you know, the system be too open. Sure. Um, so Microsoft and Bethesda, you know, they were pretty tight there. Uh, that said, um, they were working with uh, Sony. Uh, they have two games uh, that are still... Um, uh, they're they're going to debut on the PlayStation Five, and they are still going to be timed exclusives to the PlayStation Five. So that deal is being honored. Those games are Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, however, uh, future games like Starfield will be available for Xbox, we- PC, and Microsoft's Game Pass. We didn't mention how much they bought the Bethesda for. Uh, Seven point five billion dollars in, in yes. cash. Yeah. That's crazy. Not stock options or. Cash, which we'll get into why this is a huge deal and why people that were... I saw some people try to downplay this a little bit. Like, not many companies could pull off this deal. There's probably a handful in the world that could have done this, Microsoft being one of it. And this is why this is important, is that this this deal, they can lose money on this deal for 15, 20 years and not care. Sure. That's why this is significant. So I actually did my, my pat financial research about Microsoft. Microsoft has a market cap of $1.5 trillion, at least. $1.5 trillion. They have, before this deal, I saw they, have, they had at least $130 billion in cash on hand. That, that from what I saw, is, is probably number one in the world for having actual cash on hand, meaning like... This is liquid cash. We can just throw it at you. Go to the dollar box and grab it, and there, there you they go. could. This is Disney is worth about how much cash Microsoft has on hand. That we're talking scales of of companies here. Like this is you. It's hard to think about how big of a company Microsoft is when you put it in that perspective. Sure. So this deal to them, when you look at it as well, this is a risky proposition or they can't make, it doesn't matter if they make their money back on this in the next even 20, it doesn't matter. This is, this is not, this, this deal to them, like when you looked at like um, Disney buying, 
buying a Star Wars, um, that's a much bigger risk to a company like Disney than them spending double the amount to get uh, Bethesda here. And we'll get into we can get into nuts and bolts of that. Why on paper it's actually not that huge of an investment when you look at how many games some of these properties have sold. Sure. So it'll be interesting to see what they do and how some of these bigger properties are handled. Um, namely, I would say uh, Fallout and um, Elder Scrolls. Uh, so Microsoft owns another very big game in Minecraft that we mentioned. They bought that for $2.5 billion a few years back. Um, and that still appears on other consoles. It appears on, You can get it on the PlayStation. You can get it on the uh, Switch. It's on PC, that, obviously. That makes sense, because that fan base was established everywhere. You can't just like pull it back as an exclusive. That'd be weird. So um, You're losing money. They do say here that when it comes to when it comes to games in the future, they will take other consoles on a case by case basis. So, I don't think that that means necessarily that um, you won't be able to get uh, Elder Scrolls on your PlayStation Five. Um, but I, what it does mean is that it's probably going to absolutely be timed exclusive and they could always hold it back as an exclusive uh if they really wanted to move systems it's up to them it's up to them but i i don't know that so i'm not downplaying it this is a big acquisition but i also don't think for people who are extraordinarily anti-microsoft or are own or like i would never buy i don't think that it's i don't think they need to panic yet about whether or not they're going to be able to play fallout or elder scrolls or something like that but who knows i don't know they can Um, here's the deal though well you talk about skyrim um i'm trying to find how many it sold to date by 2014 skyrim sold 20 million copies well 20 million copies it's insane it's an Um, it's 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 sold 20 million copies but it's going to be hard to see exactly skyrim is 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 like the current joke game like does it run doom the current joke is does it play skyrim because skyrim's been ported to fucking everything so yes these games are money makers but they're money makers because you not only are they popular but because you can buy it on literally anything you want sure but my point is is that that game alone will get a chunk of their investment back over time. Oh, yes. Automat- absolutely. Like just that one game. And there's a, there's four or five other of these big properties that are as big as Skyrim, but Doom is still pretty freaking big. Then Fallout is big. Fallout even, is big. Even with, its, even with its major stumble in 76, there are still people out there playing it. Wolfenstein is fairly big. I don't know if the sequel did as good as, as the first re, uh, you know, uh, re- reboot, but Wolfenstein's a pretty big property. I don't know about Dishonored or Prey, how big those are at this point in time, but they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're names. You know, people buy them and play them. Yeah. So, I mean, don't worry about Microsoft's investment. Like, that's not the issue here. What are they actually saying here? What they're saying is, well, th- I'm not saying this is them. What's the expression? I feel like they're, they're slapping their dick on the table. Um, but if they could have made this purchase, they can acquire almost any any company they want to in, in the video game realm. I'm trying to think of how much Rockstar would be worth in terms of uh, billions, but if they really wanted to, they could acquire anyone. Sony couldn't do, do these deals. Sony's not on the, on, the, the num- on the level of how big a company Microsoft is. They don't have the cash Microsoft has. They can't compete if it really came down to like a war like that. But what this is also saying is that you know they're obviously serious about their new console, and they're serious about Game Pass. And this is a seller... I mean, people all of a sudden said, wow, okay, 
if you put the new if you know if you put the new uh elder scrolls on game pass some capacity i mean everyone who wants that game is going to go get the game pass they're going to they're going to get it or or even if it's uh i'm thinking well even if it's not for free on game pass what if you say well if you get game pass we're going to give it to you for only 30 bucks instead of uh, 70 bucks on ps5 they could do something like that the value proposition um, will be insane. Could, but they would be more likely to do that through gold, which is how they normally do the sales. If you have well, gold, you, see what you I'm can saying. get okay. it for X amount. Whatever they decide. They can, they, they, they have, you have an incentive to have it be so much cheaper on your system, if you so wish. But you can keep it on PlayStation, sure, but, and sell whatever copies. But it, this becomes a more of a value proposition to get the series s or series x i looked at this and i'm like okay if if um if this comes out and i get a 300 dollars series s and i gotta pay only now whatever it is uh, per month for whatever uh, gold and or the pass it's a no-brainer to someone like me uh to get triple a titles that will cost me 60 or now 70 dollars each for next generation on the xbox it's just a no-brainer so I don't. You can see why they announced this literally only three, four days after Sony's thing because th- this is now what everyone's talking about is this deal. Yeah, big stuff. I mean, I'm trying to think of another deal in games that would be as big as a deal as this. You can say Rockstar, but Rockstar only has their few titles they put out once every you know five, six years on rotation. I mean, this is they can pump out games for Bethesda every year. A different IP can come out. It, it can be like Nintendo; they can stagger them out. Just sure. About. Um. I think Rockstar would be big, but uh, yeah, I mean, whereas, you know, if you look at Bethesda 10 years ago, uh, I think it would kind of be similar to Rockstar. You know, a couple of big name games, sure. uh, you know, your Fallouts, your Elder Scrolls, um, you know, Doom wasn't acquired yet at that point in time. They had the id stuff. Um, Rockstar. Oh, they have Quake as well. That's right. Rockstar does, you know, the Grand Theft Auto, uh, Red Dead Redemption. So it's got those big ones. But Rockstar has spent so much time keeping uh, Grand Theft Auto Online going, you know, because printing. They, 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 yeah. Rockstar is is very big, but they have not acquired as much or branched out as much, I guess, as Bethesda has. Is all I'm trying. They're to not say. as diversified. Their portfolio of games, we'll just say. Yes. They, they have their two. Is there even a third big one left with Rockstar? Or <laughs> down to two at this point that they really care about. No. Are they bringing back Midnight Club? I love Midnight Club. Lots of people like Midnight Club. Bring uh, back they, Midnight they, they Club. Do, like, they haven't done one of those in a while. Um, Midnight Club? What? It's been like seven years. Uh, the last Double one edition? was the last one was L.A., which was yeah, I think the last one was L.A., which was uh, I'm not even sure that got a PS4 or but, Xbox One the, release. So the point remains is that like Bethesda has more games in a portfolio. It, it'll make more money than Rockstar. As, as weird as that it, over the. 10 or so different properties that they pick up here um you know so yeah it's it's a huge deal it's 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 like it's like disney getting marvel and star wars like it's it's like that in terms of video games i mean i'm not going to get into the people arguing, well, you don't want a monopoly of you know one parent company owning all those umbrella companies but it's like well what are you going to do uh they, you know there's a lot of rich people now that worked at uh they worked at bethesda that are happy about this and stockholders that are obviously thrilled about, you know, this deal, uh, that went through. And, um, yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, how this is going to affect sales of the, of the Xbox. But like I said, like I'm, I'm probably going to get a series S and see and see what it does. It's worth, it's worth the $300 risk to see what, what the Xbox is going to offer. Oh yeah. And plus 
obviously then this deal obviously you know these games means uh, microsoft makes money off them on on windows and on you know on on steam so yeah all right we'll, we'll make a bet if if you think that um if elder scrolls the next one comes out on on uh, playstation or not I, i'm like 50 50 thinking about it i'm like eh, they'll make money on it but if, if they really want to turn the screws on sony they say none of this is coming out uh, on on sony consoles and sony will be like shit I think it comes out. I think it comes out later, but I think it comes out a year later or something like that, or six months later, just to be like, hey, it's usually about a six month window. But even that will piss off some people, or they don't want to wait six months. Oh sure. So Mm -hmm. play it on your PC, and it'll be full price. And on Xbox, I can give you a little discount if they want, maybe Uh, cheaper. There's no Sony tax when you when you when you get it through Big Big Daddy Microsoft. (laughs) All right, is that it? That's it. All right. All new, right, new consoles coming in, but old beloved. We're saying goodbye to the Nintendo goodbye. 3DS. We, we, do this, we do this every few years in the CU podcast, where Nintendo console says good, says goodbye. Um, the 3DS <laughs> is is officially no longer in production. Uh, this was announced. Um, I don't know if it was actually announced during the little. Uh, there was another mini like partner direct this past week. Um, I, I the news came out around the same time as that. I did not watch the mini direct, although uh, some good stuff coming. Uh, two new Monster Hunter games. Uh, so when you, it, it's it's funny. It, it, we just finished talking about, um, you know, the Microsoft acquiring Bethesda. Um, Sony, you know, uh, doing their price point announcement and announcing their games. Well, Nintendo did get a little thing in on uh, of their own uh, with that mini direct. The next main entry, the next like one of the the next big entry in the Monster Hunter franchise, uh, Monster Hunter Rise, is coming to the Switch, and it's an exclusive. Um, Monster Hunter has gained a lot of fans here in the U.S., but it really cannot be downplayed how popular a series Monster Hunter is in Japan. Um, I think Monster Hunter World is uh, one of the best-selling video games of all time, and it's largely because of the Japanese fan base. I mean, that series has kept Capcom alive through many failures and weird things. So, you know, all the companies are announcing something uh, that is, you know, positioning them for this next generation. Um, Even though Nintendo does not have a new console coming out yet, or at least it has not been announced, um, you know, announcing a new Monster Hunter game is in a lot of circles also a very big deal that kind of serves to put some focus back on them during this, you know, past week of Microsoft and Sony announcements. Sure. Anyways, the 3DS is being discontinued. Uh, I love the Nintendo 3DS. Uh, one of my favorite handhelds of all time. Um, it does DS games and 3DS games, and there was just an exceptional library um, on that system. Um, when did the 3DS come out? Ten, ten, almost 10 years ago. Almost 10 years ago. Okay. It, it was March 2011. March 2011? Yeah. Okay. thought it was 2010. Um, so the 3DS went through many, many different uh, versions. There was the original 3DS, um, then there was the 3DS XL, then there was the 2DS, which looks like a slice of bread. Uh, it was not foldable, and it lost the uh, stereoscopic One of the screen. earliest CU podcast topics that we ever did was about the announcement of the, of the 2DS, it was. I believe, back in 2013. Yes. Um, yeah, that came out on October 12th, 2013. So uh, two years in, two and a half years in. 
So two and a half years in. Um, then they did the uh, new 3DS series. The new which, 3DS, which... Which is uh, basically they add a second analog stick, and they added a slightly... It was a slightly, be- slightly beefier processor. Um, so there was a couple of games that required it or ran better with uh, the new 3DS model. But not really necessarily you had to buy it. Right. Um, if you wanted to play Xenoblade Chronicles, you needed the new 3DS. Um, also, Hyrule Warriors ran like shit on a standard 3DS. Start smoking. Uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't handle it very well. It, it chugged along. But that, that second analog stick was very handy. It was uh, very useful in games, once again, like Monster Hunter, where free camera control is an important thing. Um, they did... Uh, they did a smaller version of that one, the XL, and then finally they closed it off with the new 2DS XL, which eliminates the 2D screen, but puts it in a foldable clamshell shape and makes it a big boy. It eliminates the 2D screen or the 3D? It eliminates the 3D screen. So, okay, which not anyone used anyway for the most part. No, I, I, I mean, it's, it's... That was a gimmick. It's neat, but yeah, it was a gimmick. Um... And the whole DS line, like it, it, it it's it's kind of sad to see the the whole DS line come to a close. There is no more dual screen system from Nintendo. Uh, lots of creative things were done with the dual screen. Um, one of my favorites uh, is Etrian Odyssey. I talk about that game uh, from time to time on here. Um, it's a first person dungeon crawler series that used the bottom screen as graph paper, so you could draw all your own maps and stuff like that. Oh, that's right. Um, so yeah. It'll it'll be kind of sad to see some of you know that innovation go away, um, but all good things hey, must come to an end. This, the, the 3ds, I mean, uh, I I didn't really play mine besides at conventions. You know, what is it? What when you see someone new and you add them? Street Pass. Street Pass. Yeah, Street Pass was fun, and the little mini RPG games and stuff like that. We were fun for at a convention. You're just screwing around with it. Street Pass was a fantastic idea, yeah. and it. I got everyone from all 50 states. I think. Nice. I think, woo, yeah, I, think I do too. Um, Vani was really into Street Pass. She played all the Street Pass games because there was two sets of additional games you could buy that you could play with the Street Pass characters that you. Uh, you oh, there were okay. Um, uh, all sorts of cool ones. Yeah, like the haunted house. There was a fishing one, a gardening house. one, a racing one. You get little uh, puzzle pieces you collect and things like that. And it was great. And I miss it so much. I like. You I saw people at conventions. They would just all have them out, hanging oh, out. Street pass was yeah. a big deal. They, there used to be. There used to be yeah. street pass gatherings. There were yeah. like in all, like big cities. People would get together once a month. This to is street like pass and play the games. Right when <laughs> right when smartphones weren't totally ubiquitous yet. It was just starting sure. to get out there. It was like the last vestige of. We have a technology to pass around that before, like, you know, we're talking years before Pokemon Go uh, and things like that, that it was this weird time in between, like uh, like an in-between sort of space. So um, it, it's it's odd to me that Street Pass was one of those weird things that Nintendo did that took off. Like, it, it even became popular in the States, and mm-hmm. uh, they don't have any analogy to that on the Switch. And I realize the Switch is a bigger system. You know, it's not as portable as the 3DS, but yeah. everyone's throw everyone was throwing their 3DS in a bag, anyways. I, I don't know why they didn't continue with Street Pass and do something, especially yeah. because they supported it up until the end. I mean, that that last set of games only came out like maybe three years ago, I think, three or four years ago. Um, so, anyways, well, here's the good news. Good well, news is that online services aren't going anywhere. So. Yes, so Nintendo realizes. They're going to have to thank the 3DS if it's a, if it's a, if it's a sentient being. The 3DS kept Nintendo alive during the bad Wii U years. Yes, 
Not, well, ju- not just not just in terms of like Nintendo's well, coffers kept them alive during the bad. Well, Wii I years, mean but, like them being a, a a company not being laughed at entirely and yes. offering products and services that people like. It's, it'd be hard for a company to say, "Oh, we have this three three four, three and a half year gap where there's almost nothing to be excited about." Right. Like you, it's hard to have a company going even if yeah the Wii's successful. Then we have this crappy console almost no one gets. Now we have the Switch. You have to have something to keep the momentum going. And it was the 3DS. That's why people were saying when Nintendo was doomed. I was like, the 3DS, they sold 76 million units between its iterations. That's insane. Nintendo's success with portables will float them through any number of console disasters. They're the handheld system. They're they're now it. They're, They're the only one that survived. And every person who has tried to compete, even with better technology, it, they, it, 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 that's Nintendo's market. It's, it's no the, one will ever crack. They it. have the games. They have the style. For some reason, people like the family-friendly style of Nintendo versus like the hardcore tech, you know, PlayStation handheld style. It's just it just works for them. Can't explain it. They got they got the family thing nailed down, and they and they might always uh, will will do it. So my question is family, 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 family. Um, no one's doing it. Um, so my question is. We, and we, we speculated that after the Switch, there'll be another, there'll be no real dedicated handheld Nintendo console ever. But maybe, maybe down the line, they'll think of something clever in order to keep it that small. Versus, like, yeah, Switch is hard to be handheld. Plus, the battery life. Well, with the, with the improved battery, I guess it's better. But it'd be hard to have a ton of tons of people with gigantic Switches walking around them. If, if, if you know, it folded in half, you fit in your pocket. Like yeah. you say, you throw it in your in your in your book bag or. your or your knapsack. Nintendo's never going to leave portable design behind. It's just they finally found a way to make their portable their home console as well. And yes, like you said, I don't see them straying from that for a while. It'd be tough. Um, Nintendo, people always say, well, you can't be as powerful if you're doing it that way. Well, Nintendo's never cared about that necessarily. Sure. Uh, it's know. just about cannibalizing your own market and having, you know, it's like, well, you know, having two different Smash Brothers games come out at the same time. It's like, yeah, it works for different audiences, but going forward... Just, just it, unite your base. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, that's really all I've got to say on it. I, I, it, 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 it Marvelous will, little system. It will always be one of my favorite Marvelous. handhelds. Uh, mine is uh, always in my living room. I've been playing WarioWare Gold on it recently, so I still fire up my, my 3DS. I always wonder if I'm ever going to be online at the same time as someone else. Uh, I always check my friends list to see if anyone else is going back down the 3DS uh, whole uh, now that there's no more games coming out for it, you know, there's not a lot of reasons for people to go back and fire it up all at the same time. Um, but yeah, what's great, the, great what's system. A, what's officially the last game that has been released in the, the so the Atui collection was, I believe, the last physical release, um, but that one was only available online. That compiled uh, some Mutant Muds games and a couple other games. Uh, together and the last wide release physical game was Persona Q2, which is a first person dungeon crawler set in the Persona. Looks universe. like they still have some digital releases this year. Uh, Miles and Kilo are these are these digital? Jack, I, yeah, no, they're digital. There is no more physical releases. Dungeon Runner, okay. So the the the, the grand total of games will they'll, they'll probably have digital releases for the next couple of years. I'm guessing because 76 million units. That's ridiculous. So, uh, yeah. Th- um, so, Small mobile app level yeah. games will continue to be published on this for a few years, I think. So, a couple of years. As of today, 1,343 3DS games over almost 10 years. It'll be 10 years in March. Crazy. So, I'm, I'm glad Nintendo's keeping the servers going. Uh, I mean, they, they didn't bother with the, with the Wii ones for that long. After the Wii, they're like, yeah. 
We don't need the Wii ones up. And the Wii U, oh, I, I mean, is anyone playing the Wii U anymore at this point? I mean, that's it'll, it's, it's the forgotten console. I, yeah, I don't think there's any reason for anyone to fire it up unless they want to play Mario 3D World, and that's not going to be a reason. Or, or Star in, Fox. In, or Star Fox. But those eventually will get released probably in some fashion. They'll figure it out. <laughs> Even though they have to use the two screens, they'll figure it out. Nintendo. Uh, all right. Well, here's the 3DS. I, it's 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 sort of like yeah, the plucky little little handheld that you know kept Nintendo relevant for like four years. <laughs> Good times. Support for the CU podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the leaders in below the waist grooming. They're number one. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer around and they just released the new and improved lawnmower 3.0 third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents those don't tickle let, let me let me tell you something if you got a hedgehog down there you don't want to go in blind so you got the led light to guide you on your way it's waterproof Ian. you can do it in the shower out of the shower whatever you want we've all had little accidents in a private nether region before this this, this reduces your chances exponentially. Exponentially. And it also has the Quiet Stroke technology as well. Trademarked tw- Quiet Stroke technology. 7,000 RPM. That's a lot. So trim trim that junk of yours. All right? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Podcast at manscaped.com. Again, Ian, it's 20% off with code Podcast at manscaped.com. Level up your hygiene routine with the only, with only the best manscaping tools. Your balls are going to thank you. All right, Ian, yeah. uh, I laughed so heartily at this next segment, this story. Oh, this was good stuff. Th- this is uh, schadenfreude. This is comeuppance. This is justice. This is this is just desserts. Just desserts. So a uh, hacker um, by the name of uh, Script Kid um, Great name. Uh, who streams in a Salvador Dali mask uh, and a jumpsuit um, has had fun with with uh, first person shooter cheaters lately. Uh, mainly uh, Counter Strike Go and uh, Public Battlegrounds uh, G. Um, Public Battlegrounds G. Yes. Public Battlegrounds G. Um, so what he has done is he has created cheats, uh, cheat programs that people download and he promotes them like they're real he pr- programs. He, he puts them on a website there's google no comments he, on does for- google, he does google ads for them and he puts out cheat programs uh, this one for instance is called blue flame and the website says the free undetected and easy to use csgo cheat so you download this uh and you install it and you play and what does it do it fucks your game up for you but not like in a it corrupts it uh you know instantaneously so you can't play it it doesn't even screw with it right away it does extremely hilarious things to you uh you know maybe five minutes into your game maybe an hour a few into your rounds game. a few rounds so you don't game. know what's going on so you have no idea what's and it, happening and it does different types there's several different types of ways it it screws with you. So these videos are great. So one of them, the, the video that I watched, uh, is um, making cheaters jump off the map. Well, okay, let's just first explain what happens. So okay. they install the cheat. They play the game. After their session's over, the, the video is sent to this person. Yes. So then he's, he streams himself looking at these cheats, and then he, he's cut up a couple for you, to, and they've gotten millions of views. Uh, so let's just get into his backstory real quick. He lives in Europe in his early 30s. said he got fed up playing against cheaters in PUBG last year and started thinking of ways to get revenge. 
uh, and then he, he saw a viral uh, Mark Gilbert glitter bomb video, which motivated him to go after cheaters and prank them. That was a big thing last year. Um, he, he started learning how to create cheats by analyzing open source cheats, and other cheats were going around on pop-up cheat forms. When he had a proof of concept, he realized the best way to get cheaters to use it was to create a site for the fake cheat by heads on Google. <laughs> ah, this is great. Yep. So these are CSGO uh, videos that he has here. So there's... Like like we said before, there's lots of different things that these cheats do. Um, the one of my favorite is uh, it will take control of your character at random intervals and uh, cause you to fling yourself off of tall buildings. <laughs> what is that called? The mind mind rule. Um, yeah, it just grabs your character and throws you off of tall buildings. Uh, there are um, or it throws your weapon out of the gameplay field. It'll actually go to the edge of the gameplay and throw your weapon. It'll throw your weapons. Mind control, that's what it's called. That's the, they're called punishments. That's mind control. Um, there's uh, the flashbang uh, that goes off in your face that just causes a bright white flash to go off and blind everything that, uh, that so you can't see anything. Burning Man will drop the grenade right on you when you throw it. Uh, my, <laughs> favorite, my favorite is the uh, disarming of the bomb. Um, so in certain modes, you have to disarm a bomb, you know, to to, to win. Uh, so the cheat will will make the sound like you've disarmed the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll tell you the bomb is disarmed. But it's not. But it's not. So then it blows up. So there's face. footage of like the team blo- getting blown up. They lost the round. They didn't defuse the bomb because they thought they did. There, there's there's they're ingenious. There's the tripwire one where there's a specific spot on the level. If you hit that, you will wildly be out of control and not be able to co- control your character. <laughs> There's a slowdown, or same thing, you hit a tripwire, you'll be super slow for like 20 seconds, you're like jittering along, and someone will shoot them. I think my personal favorite, the more I thought about it, Ian, was the think you're shooting, but you're not, where (laughs) it'll do the sound and animation of you shooting at someone, but you're not actually shooting. So it shows you (laughs) scoped in, you're shooting, reload, shooting, but the guy's still alive, and you see like the realization come across... The players feel like, like, and then so they'll get shot. I mean, this is brilliant. This this is brilliant fun, fucking with someone. This is just just like a blatant. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna do something where you die and sleep. This is like ingenious fucking with someone. Yeah, next level trolling, top laughs, um, very good stuff. There, there, I was laughing. I didn't realize how hard I'd be laughing watching. This. And plus, it's cinematic because some of it's like I guess when you get these gameplay videos, you can like change the camera. They're zoomed out. You see the guy walking yeah. over to the ledge and jumping off the skyscraper. Yeah, and there's like slow mo, <laughs> slow mo. Just the guy just launching his. There's the, the there is the anti auto aim one, which is brilliant when. When you aim on someone, it'll push your aim away from them. <laughs> so it, it's like a magnetic anti-force to push you away. There is the auto team uh, aim hack where you'll auto shoot when you, your cra- cursor goes over your teammates, which totally fucks up your game. They'll kill you. You get kicked uh, from the game and possibly you know banned uh, if they have that in place. I mean, it's hysterical. So I think I'm, there's an inverted aiming in the scope one where when you scope, it'll, it'll fuck with your aims and you can't (laughs) fire properly. So there's more, there's, there's like 10 to 12. It's, it's incredible. Oh, one of my personal favorites is, is the the one when it'll waste all your money in the beginning of the round when you're buying a weapon, it'll keep tossing your weapon when you buy, like it'll just keep tossing (laughs) and buying the weapon out. Cause you can do that beginning of counter-strike. 
good stuff. So, um, this according to this Vice article, an employee of a gaming company who works in their anti-cheat department, who has not to be named because he's not authorized to speak to the press, said that he finds the exploits funny but unlikely to make a dent in the cheating yeah. ecosystem. Of course, they're not. Uh, his stuff is cool, but it's just for shits and giggles, the employee said. <laughs> it's not something that stops the cheats. It, it's, it's not. That person's just going to go out and download another cheat engine. But for that brief moment, for that couple hours... It really pisses that person off, and, uh, I mean, the guy who, this, this script kid who made this shit, uh, yeah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be extremely satisfying for him to get these videos in his inbox of people using his cheats and just fucking absolutely shitting the best. I wish, I mean, I wish he charged money, because then he had money as well, but then maybe people get pissed at him and, you know, do, do, uh, you know, uh, credit card disputes and things like that. But now, obviously, he has to keep changing the name and how he advertises these to keep this going. But this is, but even, even Ian, if you slow down even one cheater and ruin their day, it's worth it. Just one. But he's doing it for, he's ruining thousands of cheaters. Yeah. Days. So, as like, he, as he's he doing God's says, work. He thinks it'll have zero impact on cheating after seeing how many people literally search Google for hex every oh. day, how many people get banned every month. What I do has zero impact, and I never thought it would either. But it's always been very obvious uh, that it won't have that impact. I do it because it's fun, a little smiley. It's fun to see cheaters being trolled. How about the Absolutely. No- how about the knock knock who's there punishment? So. When you get to a door, you can no longer open any doors. It just does a knock-knock sound instead. <laughs> so he puts the sound in the fucking game. It's so good. On top of that. So, so you, good. So you see the person trying to open the door, and, and he starts shooting the doors. Like, why can't I open this door? <laughs> and again, this doesn't happen instantly. This could happen a few games in or a handful. Like, brilliant. Kudos to Script Kid. Yeah. No, I think that's... Watch his videos. Follow him on Twitch. I think that's one of the best parts is that it's not immediate. Like, if it was immediate, you'd be like, oh, it's... They know. It's this cheat device. But no. Give it a slow burn. Mind control. No plan or defuse. It's it's a whole... It's a whole soiree. It's the second time I use that word this podcast. Of, of different pranks. Um, what is the... Let's see. I'm trying to go through. Lucky Luke. Which one is that? Is Lucky Luke... Oh, that's the one where you think you're shooting, but you're not. What's the uh, other word that you've been using a lot lately that people have been coming at you for in the... Uh, esoteric. Esoteric. I, the which I stopped <laughs> using because of that. I saw that. Stop saying it. Say, say unique or, or strange or something. Like, All right. Well, I like esoteric. I like that word. So, yeah. Watch it. Drunken Master is funny, too, where you, you don't know uh, random controls in the game. God, I, like I said, I was laughing Harley. Ian. How, have I laughed that much in a while? It's, it, it was like, oh, this is hysterical to see this come to life. Now you sound you sounded a little delirious. Oh, well, I'm still groggy. I don't know why. I think I think, I think it's the uh, Dunkin' Donuts Munchkin and, and, and breakfast sandwich combo. <laughs> That's the way. All right, so check out Script Kid. Lovely. It warmed the cockles of of Ian and my hearts on this CU podcast here. Sure did. All right, Ian. We have an uh, we have an update. Update. Update on the Wada auctions a year ago that were quite shocking. I think to some, in particular. Um, the $33,000 Super Mario Brother 3 prototype uh, that, that went, um, along with some of the other sales we didn't even talk about. I don't know if we talked about, like, the... Um, did we even talk about the the $50,000 Legend of Zelda sale? I think we glossed over some of them. I think we might have. I mean, there was uh, a there lot. Was, there was too many to, um, to, to go over. But um, Pat has uh, sources. I, I have... Um, I'll keep anonymous sources that, that basically revealed... That there was one person, one one extremely rich person, that bought a lot of these high price ticket uh, items, which makes sense when you think about it. There can't be a huge amount of people 
that are going around making these insane purchases. There has to be a smaller amount of people doing this. There just isn't enough people. They have this right. amount of money to blow to take this sort of financial risk. So this came to me by someone who personally you know, knows the person that made the purchase, and that person shared the purchases, who then shared it with us. Um, about what they purchased. I'm not going to re- reveal their identity. I'm just going to say we're going we're, we're to just run through you know, some of the stuff that, they, 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 that were purchased, though. But this is a millionaire person that came from the coin collecting world and made their, made their money with coin collecting, which is what we always speculate about with, with high price. These are not people that are video game collectors. They are coming, no, they're coming from elsewhere. other collecting markets. Yes, because, because the, the people that used to collect the graded games, and it was always a small group of people, Whenever we, I trust me, Ian and I, I've been to, I go to before COVID, ten up to ten conventions a year for almost eight nine years. I see how many people are buying graded games, and it ain't many people. It's a very small amount of people. Uh, lovely fellow who who were next to us at Long Island Retro Expo next year was selling graded games. I think he told me at the end of the weekend he made only a, a, you know a, a, maybe a handful or a few different sales that weekend. Sure, it's not a lot of people in general, right? And and, and so. When you think about that, it's like, okay, that makes sense. So who's actually purchasing this stuff? So so we have the the list of things that this individual, one individual uh, purchased, Ian. And the the grand total, the grand total that this one this person spent on the one auction that went around uh, September of, uh, of last year, Ian. Do you want to drumroll me on, on this grand total? Of how much was spent as I bring up the email here. One hundred and thirty-seven thousand seven hundred sixty dollars they spent on one auction. Wow. That includes the 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 buyer's premium, obviously, so it's only eighty percent of that. That's still over a hundred thousand dollars with Pat Math. The shipping only three hundred dollars because you know, you know, it's this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's only about 15 games that they spent. So on average, about $9,000 each, roughly, give or take. Um, and then shipping on those 15 games was about $300. I'm thinking that's like courier registered mail, where it's like next day, overnight. Right. Like, like it, it's going to be a guy who fucking shows up and gives you your stuff. You know, like, you're not going to chance that. All right. So this individual purchased that $33,000 uh, prototype. Well, without the premium, it was $31,200. Uh, $31, I say $31,200. $31, it was. Super Mario Bros. 3, WADA certi- uh, certified. Uh, so right off, I'm not saying E and I are geniuses when it comes to stuff. When we predict who's buying this stuff, a lot of times we always say, these are people that don't have knowledge of what they're buying. And no, this they is don't. evidence of that. Yes. And this is someone who's not a game collector who's spending way too much money on this that not only probably didn't investigate, is this an actual prototype... This person probably never investigated. There's probably more of these game samples or review cards out there. Sure. To know that, hey, this isn't a one-of-a-kind item or even two-of-a-kind. There could be 10 of these. I saw one person speculate there's like, I think there's between 20 and 30 of these. I don't know. But there's probably not one of these. If they're sending them out to reviewers and like, there's more of these out there. Right. Uh, if it's one-of-a-kind, maybe you can even make that case, even though I still wouldn't, that'd be worth that much. But like the the, the $50,000 Legend of Zelda, that's to me is insane. Sealed or not, it's still insane. Um, then you have more, like you have stuff like a Pac-Man, uh, an Atari Pac-Man 9.4, There's tons of Pac-Mans out. I mean, come on, man. It's wild. Come on, man. A spider fighter on an Atari. Is that like one of those weird like games? I'm not going to say esoteric that people talk about on Atari. I think it might be an esoteric game. 
Yeah. Does it, it, it? I think I've seen that before, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Is that a game in video game history that anyone talks about? No, no, no. no Spider Fighter is not a thing. Uh, Space Invaders six thousand dollars. The Miss Pac-Man nine point eight for ten thousand two hundred dollars. Come on, man! It's it's there, there's cartons of those out there. Mega Mega Mania for twenty four hundred dollars. A Spider Fighter is also an Activision title, so I mean, it could not have been that limited. Is this like, someone? Well, just a- granted, Hero goes for a lot, but still, Masters of the Universe for six thousand dollars. Again, this is someone thinking, well, it's a it's a property, and and it's the first video game of its type. Yes. I'm going to spend six thousand dollars. Frogger for forty five hundred dollars. Warlords for twenty one hundred dollars. Hey, I love Warlords. It's $2,100 for a sealed one's insane. Um, what else? Uh, Batman Return of the Joker, 9.8 for $7,800. That's a NES. A, a sealed hang tab, 7.0. Uh, Duck Hunt for six, $6,600. That's probably the reasonable one out of this lot. Uh, pinball sealed uh, for $2,600. Uh, with uh, Act Razor 2, uh, 9.4 for $1,440 on the... Uh, Super Nintendo. So this isn't to you know call out this person individually. You'll probably this may never get back to them. It probably won't. Um, but um, someone who who comes to you and, and can say, "I spent nearly 150 grand in video games um, in one day, in lit- or one weekend, I guess if it's spread over a few days." These these are not a lot of people, and you're gonna say, "Hey, Pat, yeah, but they'll, they'll, you need at least two people to bid them up." But yeah, but you only need two, maybe three, to, to get these insane prices. Maybe four. You don't need fifty or a hundred people. Right. You just need a handful. You need several to do that. These several people hmm. out there will just say, "If you want to say a dozen, you, you want to be generous, you need a couple dozen." They are radically shifting the paradigm of prices, not just on these games now, but now we've seen for now we've seen for the complete inbox market as well. Which I thought wouldn't be affected, but now when you see like you know a Legend of Zelda complete in box go for hundreds of dollars out of out of nowhere, or even potentially now go for thousands, you're like, this is nuts, and it, this is a small amount of people that are doing it who don't know any better. Right, you and don't have to spend this much money, <laughs> and they're flushing the money down the down the toilet. And so when when asked, you know, why is this person doing this? It's like, well, they're an investor. They want to get into it, and they want to see where this is in 10 years. They think this is like comic books or something else, so they want to see what happens with it. So, like, you'll probably not see these games resurface uh, for for several years. They're hoping that they're going to strike it big and that these will be all, like, you know, $100,000 games or, you know, they think it's going to be like comic books or like coins, I guess. Maybe coins at one point weren't that valuable. I don't know anything about the coin market. But it's uh, what we said before. It is unknowledgeable speculators. Yes. That's what it is. And maybe some of these people just have, you know, maybe they have an ego and think, yeah, I want to I spend this amount of money because I can. Sure. I can't picture doing that myself unless, hey, if, you, if you're worth $20, 30000000 million, maybe you can do that. I just think it's weird to do that with video games. Couldn't be you. Couldn't well, be you. What's that? Couldn't be you. I wouldn't do it if I was a millionaire. I wouldn't do it. Because I know, like, it's, it's an insane risk to take. What do we always say, Ian, about investing in video games? It, it, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't don't let that be the, be that primary reason to do game collecting, and this is specifically in print the reason why they are making these insane purchases. And again, this is this is um, one time, and it was described Ian uh, via via my source that this person that bought this stuff it's an ex- it's an experiment. It's an one hundred thirty thousand dollar experiment to them. So there you go, um, and now. Also, the news is that since the purchase, a game rep, rep from Heritage is constantly contacting them, um, pushing other items, and thinking that his plan of investment uh, is a great idea. Yeah, 
So that's horrifying then, Ian. If I make a couple of purchases on Heritage, I'm going to have a fucking sales rep calling me, telling me about other items to purchase. Yeah, that's awful. So I'm glad I didn't win that Alien 3 from a month ago. Yeah. Or five weeks. I almost did. I was the second highest bidder. Because that would be funny as hell. I think I've, I think I've met these people before at Comic-Con, so I'll know who these people are. Anyway. Anything else to add, Ian? I mean, it's not, I told you so, but I mean, what else is it? No, I mean, nothing to add. I mean, you pretty much covered it. It's exactly what I thought it is. It's people coming in from other markets, not really knowing the value, paying, you know, whatever the fuck they want for it. And <clears throat> that's, that's that. The value! The value. Do you think, you think this will be a sound investment 10 years down the line that it'll increase that much to make it worth sit, sitting away for seven, eight, nine, ten. Oh, years? Oh, yeah, absolutely rock solid. It's rock solid investment. It's going to be Have it tied up in sealed video games. He's got a couple oil fields. Uh... You, th- you think that Miss Pac-Man is going to increase in value from ten grand over ten years? It's going to be a, it's going to be worth a million buckaroos. <laughs> a million. Bu- Do you imagine if that was the case and people have like five cartons of it? And it's like, oh, I'm, I'm I can buy a sports team now. I'm buy- a five millionaire. I can buy the San Diego Goals right here, the little minor league <laughs> hockey team. Yeah. That's my goal, Ian. I want to be rich enough not to buy a big sports team, to buy a minor league team. minor league team or an arena football team like Bon Jovi did. Did I want to be like Bon Jovi rich? Yeah, there you go. That's all. Just Bon Jovi. Just rich. Bon Jovi rich. Jer- Jersey strong. All right. What else we got going on, Ian? We've got a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash CU podcast. You uh, open it up. You uh, put another nickel in. You put the put nickel in the Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Uh, we, you get the uh, full video podcast in- uh, every almost week. Almost instantly. Almost instantly. After the intro comes uh, I do a writing every week. I'm going to do a writing on Spelunky this week. Spelunky, Spelunky too. It's fucking what, perfect. What was your writing last week? I don't remember. Okay. I, I, I don't. I'll don't, look it up. Don't remember what my writing was last week. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to talk about Spelunky 2 this week, so I'll do that today or and tomorrow. And you, you vote on the Patreon. You program. vote on a poll topic. What do we got here? Oh my. What are your favorite toy lines and why at 31%? Second place. Second place. What video games would, would, what video games would you make a novelization of and why? 30%. Uh, tips for a new game store employee. 39%. Ian, I will defer to you as as the only game store employee on the podcast currently. I'll take it away. And, and plus, when I when I the Funkoland turned down my uh, employment application back in '97, so I was very heartbroken about that. So I'm going to talk uh, to y- you as if you are a game store employee at a place that's not GameStop. You can work at a GameStop, but GameStop is basically just another retail job. Yeah, you have a list of stuff coming out. It's all there for you. It's right there. It's easier peasier. Um. However, when you're working in a game shop, 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 S H A W P, that sells, um, you know, stuff from all sorts of systems. Uh, one of the first things that I always recommend every new employee at Luna does is take a system that you don't know a lot about, go home, research it, look up ten games. Look up the top 10 games, look up the top 50 games, read into them, and know enough about the big titles on all systems that you can casually talk about them. This is something that you will eventually be able to do uh, over time just by working there. But it's important to at least be able to recommend the popular titles for a system, even if it's not a system that um, you're particularly into. So, okay. So, okay. So, so if, if I say, Ian, how do I learn about the Sega Saturn? What do you tell me? I, I say you go, you go home, you Google Sega Saturn, read about the release of the Sega Saturn, then Google top 
10, 25 games on the Sega Saturn and go down the list and you don't have to learn all of them. Pick the ones that are going to be interesting to you. Why? Because if they're interesting to you, you're more likely to remember them. You don't need to know everything, but that way if someone comes in and wants to talk about Sega Saturn games or Sega Saturn collecting uh, and they want to ask you questions about the games, you are likely to be able to answer some questions about that. Know a little bit about the import scene with Sega Saturn. Know that it's popular. Um, Turbo Graphics. Go home. Look it up. Know about Bonk. Know a couple of shooters. Um, look up a couple of Chris Bucci videos. Look up a couple of Chris Bucci videos. Turbo views. Um, Nintendo. If nin- uh, the original NES just was not your thing, or if you're just young and you, you don't know a lot about the NES, look up any of the Hidden Gems videos. Read up on that stuff. Um, the other reason why you want to do this is not just so that you can talk to people about games, but when you get to the point where you're accepting trade-ins, you know what the valuable games are, and you know what is popular. But you have helpers. I mean, you have a helping system for that too. You, they look. Yes, up. you do. But you should know. Uh, you should know off the top of your head, like what what looks. Little good. Samson is big. Um, yeah, because you know places have certain rules, and let's say, like for instance, at Luna, after seven o'clock, we generally don't do trade-ins. We try to get everything cleaned up and ready for the next day between 7 and 8. But if someone comes in with a box of trade-ins and you glance at it and you see it has something, like, say, a little Samson in there, that's when you break the rules. Um, so, you know, you, you, you want to make it's sure... It's a soft rule. You want to make sure you're not going to be passing up on anything that's important. But at the same point in time, you don't want to accidentally lowball someone on something that is valuable that they might know the value of, because um, that is... Yeah, here it comes. Value. I dread it. Because um, that's a good way to lose customers. Sure. Um, you, want, you, want, you, want, you don't want people to find out later, hey, he gave me $10 for a game worth $300. Uh, another thing that I would suggest to all uh, new uh, game store employees is um, learn to spot your bootlegs. Learn to spot your bootlegs real quick. Uh, there are all sorts of good articles that are thorough online um especially the first thing you want to do is learn how to spot pokemon bootlegs pokemon! Learn, learn what the warning signs are uh and you want to know it for game boy do you have Call a it. visual guide do you have like a uh, employee binder i have no we don't actually but i have websites that i send you should to have them. a you should have a certain nes guidebooks <clears> in there for reference too we do have one sitting there uh i think it's there yeah it's there um but Especially with Pokemon, if you're working in a game store that sells um, classic stuff, uh, Pokemon are always going to be coming in, and this is in, this is knowledge that you will use. I guarantee you, in your first month working at a game store, you will find a you will spot a bootleg Pokemon, um, and it's not just the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance cartridges. There's bootlegs of the DS games out there as well. Um, and since and, that's a popular game series, you're going to find those a lot. And there are pretty good ways to, to you know be able to guaranteed spot. Um, the bootlegs. So you just need to know it. You know, hold the cartridges in your hands. Realize that not all plastic is made equal, and some of it feels different. You can feel the cheapness on the plastic in a lot of these bootlegs. Um, so brush up on your systems, especially your classic stuff. It's a lot of have, systems. Remember that you have blind spots on. I say, I say, like what the most popular ten systems or so for collectors, like. Um, don't, I, don't worry as much as about Atari. Or, no, you don't need to worry about Atari as much. Child. But you, you definitely need to know your Nintendo systems. You need to know your Sega. 64, your GameCube, your Super Nintendo, your regular Nintendo. You need to know your Sega Genesis. Knowing Saturn and Dreamcast is good as well. You're not going to get too many questions on Master System. You don't have to worry too much about Atari. Um, Anything pre-NES is like, eh. 
yeah, anything pre NES is generally not going to be a, a, a huge topic of conversation. Um, but yeah, those are my two. Get your knowledge base up. But the bootlegs, is, it, it just it's 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 one that I, I I'm amazed at how often I'm like. I think you need the binder with like real cart, fake cart. Just flip through. Oh, we yeah, and well, we do you keep know? we do keep bootlegs uh, on, keep in bootlegs. the store on dis- like in the back on display. So if you want to check it against something, you, you should can. have like a little dare drug uh, thing where it's like, oh, here's here's the the, the board with all the fake. Oh yeah, yeah, on yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> you should actually like glue them up on the board. I remember that. That's what um, you should do. So yeah, those would be my two big things. Um, and you know, okay. slowly get you know get, get you, you a lot of the stuff you will pick up if you're working. How in do a- you how do you um how do you differentiate to people? I guess to me the biggest thing is the trading thing, because something might be rare that you might want for the store, but it might take you a huge amount of time to actually move it. Do you still then offer? the same amount or you keep you, you, you go under do you do the half like 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 what do you so do like, when, so you, when you go when you get to trade-ins and that's yeah. different for most for most game store employees that's not something or at least at luna that's not something you're going to be worrying about for at least a few months um but yes you do have to keep keep an eye on what moves fast mm-hmm. and what moves slowly and realize that a not rare game that moves very fast is okay to pay more money for um so, for instance, um, something like a Super Mario World, you know, um, I'm going to move that very fast. So I will pay more for that than most people would think a store would pay for something that's as common as Super Mario World. We generally look at, you know, trade-ins in terms of, you know, it's about the, the basic the basic way of doing it is about 50% of what you sell it for in... Um, credit and about fifty percent that in cash, but that's one percent cash. Fifty percent of that again in cash, so twenty five percent. Okay, that's for that's that's your average rule of thumb. However, there are lots of times where I will pay thirty five percent in cash and sixty five percent in credit because I know it's going to move. Um, it's not always great though to go after something that's super rare, like full throated and. Explain this to your customers. Don't lowball a customer. But if someone comes in with something that's very rare, but you don't think is going to move immediately, um, say that when you're yes. making your offer. Be like, "Look, you can get this. I know it's worth this. You can do this. But keep in mind that it's this because this goes for three hundred or four hundred dollars. This is going to be sitting on my shelf for a yeah. long, long time. If it's like, and the market is fickle. So you, I mean, yeah. we've seen. You know, my my my, my example for something like this oh, would be some of the PlayStation Two um, horror games that currently go for a lot of money. The market is fickle, and while I don't expect something like Rule of Rose to ever plummet catastrophically in price, we have seen over time games that were once expensive become cheap again because more stock is found this is something we talk about when we bring up um the uh the heritage auction stuff uh a lot of stuff that is you know playstation 2 gamecube xbox era and later um you don't know you have no idea how much more of that stuff is actually out there let me give you a couple examples of of this is where it gets weird for people that some people think that because a game is expensive means it's also rare. It means people want it. it the, all three don't necessarily always match up. Right. So on the Intellivision, a game like Diner is hard to find. It's worth a little bit of money. But how, if Ian buys Diner and gives cash for it at half the value, not knowing that there, there might be one or two Intellivision collectors a year that might come in that might look for this. So I don't necessarily need to overspend for it, even buy it at all, if I think it's going to be on the shelf. 
Maybe it's nice to have it, but it may not move. A good example is recently someone brought in some 5200 games. Sure. And all of them were the extremely common 5200 games, except they had Star Wars Arcade. Which is a little bit harder to find. Harder to find. Goes for about 35 bucks online. I told the guy, hey, this goes for about 35 bucks online. I said, I am not going to sell it for 35 bucks. I'm going to sell it for three bucks because otherwise it will never ever leave my store. No one's going to look in the 5200 bin. I am going to put a three, I'm going to put it in the bin $3 for any of these games, like all the 5200 games. I said, so if you want to hold on to this, you can probably make a little bit more on eBay. That person doesn't give a fuck. They're not going to put Star Wars Arcade up on, they're they're just clearing out space. It wasn't worth for you to even offer like $15 in credit, because it's like, what's the point? That game might sit there forever. No, if I did, Trey would look at it and be like, we're not charging $35 for this. This is going to be fucking in the store forever and ever and ever. Or someone might come in two years from now and go, fuck, I been looking for that and go i know that's worth 35 dollars and they're gonna pay th- it's not no. worth spending out to have it right no one's going to do that so he got a buck for it which is actually a little bit more than i'd pay for a 5200 game on average but i paid a buck for it and threw it in the bin and it actually it, it, it about a month later someone came in saw it and said three bucks i was like yeah and they're like oh that's a good deal i'm like i know but if i had had the right i, I asked them i said if i had had 35 dollars on this i said would you have bought it because they knew the they knew the the value of it and they were trying to replace um 5200 games they had lost i said would you have bought this for 35 and he's like probably not but what do you pay pay 10 bucks on it Probably, so I mean, but like, is it's there, just you don't want to you don't want to deal with a range of, of right. things like that, right? You, no, no, we don't. Very rarely do we ever take any game for an early system like that and actually charge any pre NES system. It's because once you get uh, NES is one of the only systems where the if the, we got a hero for the twenty six hundred in, I'd probably set that aside. Okay. Yeah, I mean that goes for like sixty. You know, once once you really, wow. at least it used to. Once you get above like fifty, yeah, then I'm gonna start making some judgment calls or we'll throw it on it's eBay. Like but chase the chuck wagon. Right. Maybe. Mr. Boston. For, for the what I, I almost got a Mr. Boston in the deal if you I want a Mr. Boston Vectrex out there if you have one. That's yeah. like one of the only like weird, hard to find games I actually want. Anyway. Um what was I gonna say? Yeah the, the systems where the there's only God. I'm trying to think of one outside the NES uh, where the the availability of a game matched matches up almost an, always with the price and how much people were looking for. Most systems that doesn't happen. It's only for the when you are, have all the completionists out there. Well, you that realized system. that a lot when you were writing a certain Super Nintendo yes. guidebook and we were going over rarity. There's a lot of rare and pretty uncommon games on the Super Nintendo that, that are not reflect that it's not reflected in the price. And people, people still in their head say, oh, it's worth money. It's rare. No, it's nothing to do with it. If no one wants nothing to buy to it, it, it's not worth anything. Yeah, I picked up a few because that looked like cool games. I'm like, wow, this game is very uncommon, but it's worth like only 20 bucks. So I, another example I have, Ian, is like Master System, right? Not a lot of Master System people are going for every single game out there. So like Power Strike's a great example. Mail-in only game in uh, North America. I think it was available in Europe. And it um, goes for about $200. It used to be like a $50, $60 game. If that game comes in the store, you got to think about okay, how many people are going to say, "Oh my God, there's Power Strike! I need to have that game." So it's worth you spending a hundred dollars to that customer in credit or cash. What's the football it? game that's ki- that's kind of rare? Walter uh, Payton. Walter Payton. It's like uncommon. I mean, but it's your different scales though. It's Master System. Right. I got Walter Payton in, and I was like, I know I can get 
40 bucks for this maybe but i we put it up for five and it's still there walter payton's been there for fucking three years at five dollars and no one buys it because just because it's rare and that's a game that a collector would know that's a little uncommon i'm gonna get that right uh that's 25 bucks on on uh but that's a good that's a great example but it's a good yes because if that was an nes game any other game that would normally that i could sell for 25 dollars i would probably be giving uh 12 in credit for 15 in credit for maybe 10 in cash depending on how po- popular it is i'm not paying anywhere near that for a copy of walter payton football the walter payton equivalent on the nes would be like dusty diamond all-star software baseball stars 2 where it's a little bit hard to find and, but it's a sports game but those games will sell yeah. if nes people or even probably today there are probably some people maybe not as much to the same extent as a few years ago but dusty diamond will sell dusty right? diamond will absolutely sell so there's different system things what about ian for uh for how to deal with customers, like say 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 I, I filled out the Luna Video Games application, Pat did that in alternate reality, and you said, okay, where did you work before? Well, I worked in a supermarket. I worked at Suncoast. Well, you say, okay, well these are things you have to watch out for that people are shopping video games versus buying broccoli. What, what would you what would you tell me? What would be the tips that you would tell me there? Um, you know, basically just that. Um, you know, uh, always be honest with them when they ask questions about games. If you don't like a game, uh, do not pretend to like a game. One, people can smell bullshit a mile away. Two, uh, if people get to know you as a reliable employee uh, who, you know, is like giving them reliable advice, you'll be trusted. You'll go back to that store more often. You'll gain customers that way. So losing a $5 sale, say someone brings up four games and they're like, how are these? And you're like, actually, all these are good, but this one kind of sucks. They might put that back and you might lose five bucks on the sale, but if that person trusts you, they're going to come back and spend more money. Um, that's that's something that, you know, I've, I've learned over the years really does go a long way is the, don't be an arbiter of taste. Don't, don't insult someone's, um, don't insult someone's picks. Um, but if they ask you... They'll be for, like, well, you're picking up that game. <laughs> right, don't do that because people hate that. But if people ask you for your opinion on it, give your opinion and give it honestly. People do want that. Um, the main reason I shop at like my favorite record store, M-Theory, is because the first couple times I went there, I got into a good back and forth with the people behind the counter. They recommended me some good albums. We shot the shit. And now it's kind of the only place I go to buy records. Um, and, you know, you can do that for the store that you work in as well so but you're also running the risk though in some cases that won't happen all the time of well you may not make a sale of maybe a expensive game that's actually not good maybe they pick it up i'm trying to think of a scenario where someone wouldn't know that a game is not good and want to buy it and it's like a hundred dollar game there's got to be some scenarios like oh there's action 52 wow this game might must be good it's going for you know 200 300 dollars yeah that, but it's actually shit honestly that's not a situation you, you not common I you, get that. You, you fall into very often most people who are going to be spending big money on games are aware that not all rarities are gold uh, and that lots of rare games are rare for a reason because they weren't very good and they didn't sell beam and uh, is not a great game <laughs> I've actually never played Beat'em and Eat'em. I got it sealed because there's a bunch of new old stock. Yep, right there it is there. up there, along with Custer's Revenge. 
Uh, new old stock. New NOS. NOS. I wish they still had Classic Gaming Expo in Vegas. I wish that was still around. I mean, even the past four years, five years, they didn't do it because I was always like those old school Atari guys that had all the new shit. Like I told you about the guy who had all the folded links, Atari links boxes, brand new. Oh, yeah. And, and CD ones. I, I regret not buying those. It's like, wow, why do I need this for? Links is not, I mean, uh, um, and, and the Jaguar is not worth anything. I say Link CD, Jaguar CD. Right. Those boxes have to be worth money if you actually have a, like a, Jaguar CD box. Oh, yeah. Even with the foam, it's still worth money. People want that shit. But he had them stacked. All the Lynx stuff stacked. All the, I mean, you can still get new old stock Lynx games. I can't remember, imagine how many Lynx games they overproduced because every single Lynx game, there's tons of sealed We ones. had a very large box. A box so large that I would almost call it a crate um, of NOS Lynx games that sat in the back of Luna on Voltaire for like two years before Treg finally just threw them up on auction and got like you know, five bucks each, ten bucks each, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so. man, the experiment. We get into the water thingy and we corner the Lynx graded market. Oh, how much is your APB? Oh, if it's nine point eight APB on Lynx, like, <laughs> like California games. Oh, there's no box for California games. Right? But that is it. So check out the Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash cu podcast. Exchange the money for the goods. Or you can join us on YouTube. You can't vote. We got to figure out how to have voted on the Patreon topic on YouTube. But you can still get everything early, everything else. And get the little badges and emojis. And Ian, pixel purple in the chat. Pixel purple, Ian? No. the Purple pop, pop purple popsicle. popsicle. All right. I think that's it for this episode. Yeah, I think that was, that was a hearty hour, 50 minutes. Yeah, it was. That was good. I feel confident about that podcast. I don't feel like horrible and shitty. Go home gonna have a bite to eat gonna take a nap i'm gonna have my croissant bacon you always have to take a nap into the pocket is it that draining or you're just like eh, i want to take a little power and a little siesta let's just take a little siesta there's something about the siesta we got to get that in our culture we do europeans like ah, i'm gonna take three hours off after after lunch i think but those people don't have heart attacks when they're 35 though they're nice and relaxed <laughs> it's true i mean that's true we work per capita more than almost every nation on earth working ourselves to death we get like 10 days off a year everywhere else gets like 35 days off you know, come on, man. Find that find that happy medium. You're more productive when you have more time off. That's actually clinically proven. It's, it's, well, all the research shows that. The more relaxed and happy your 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 employees are, they do more. I am never more productive at work than when I get back from a vacation. So there you go. More vacations. That was a whole. Hey, that was the whole plot of, of half the plot of the new, the excellent Winnie the Pooh uh, movie that came out a few years ago. I need to watch that. You ever saw it? Mm-mm. Saw it in the theaters. Half the theater was cr- like people, were, grown adults, fucking crying. I'm a big Winnie the Pooh fan. Falling their so. eyes out. I, I, I wasn't that big, but I was fucking crying watching that movie. I heard it was good. It's for adults, not really even for kids. That's also great. And you know, my, my, my well, when uh, Milne wrote those books for uh, young Christopher Robin, um, he did not write them uh, for Christopher Robin as a kid. He wrote them so that Christopher Robin would read them when he got older and be reminded of his childhood. So it was never really meant for kids. The fact that it makes perfect kids' stories is obviously great. Well, the best Um, kids' stories are also for adults. But, yeah, no, his... his, I mean, I I remember reading that somewhere. His intent was basically he was writing them as a memento for Christopher Robin when he got older. And then, of course, uh, uh, Haley Atwell's in it, and I'll watch Haley Atwell read the phone book uh, as well. Hey, hey, Disney! You, you have Peggy Carter back. Do that season three of Agent Carter. Left left on a fucking cliffhanger, season two. That was a good show. Never watched it. Get fucking nine seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D. We got two miniseries only of, of, uh, of Peggy Carter. I'm annoyed about that. Sorry. I think I'm, I think I'm done with the MCU. I'm like, 
I'm not getting excited for MCU stuff. I don't think I want to see Black Widow. I'm trying to think about it. I'm, I'm like, force myself to see Black Widow. Yeah, I don't have interest in Black Widow. Uh, maybe uh, the WandaVision trailer came out. I was like, ah, interesting. interesting. But yeah, I don't have to. I don't have to. But Winter, Sol- ah, Winter Soldier and Falcon, ah, that might get me. Little lethal weapon sort of thing that might get me. I, I think Good that cop, will, bad cop thing. I think that one will probably get me. I think out of all of them, that's the one I'm, yeah. I'm most likely to watch. I think I might watch that. That that I might hook me back in. Uh, and I really hope they get Daredevil back. I mean, it's been almost two years they can start doing that shit now for Daredevil. Yeah, that would be stupid not to do, bring back Daredevil. I would I would get Dizzy Plus. I think just to watch for Daredevil. So that that would hook me in. Sorry, now we're, we're getting off the beaten beaten path here. Oh but, man! All right, all right, we're good. We're, we're good. good. We're good. All right, that's the podcast. Bye bye. Ian's going to get munchkins.